get it going. It's time to get up. And it bounces to the left corner. Now Wheel sits in front. Byron with a backhand chance. Denied by Demko with the left pad. Pearson stops up top of the red circle. Shoots through traffic. Stopped by Koskinen. And then Horvat scores on the rebound. These guys are here to break it all down. You know I'm, I'm, I'm big on the, on the Pedersen train. If you guys are going to be successful this year, he's going to be that an MVP level player. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. There's something about um, gambling that never works out in your favor. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Game day. Oh, welcome back, Nashville Hockey League. How you doing, everybody? It is Wednesday, January 13th. What's up, Metro Vancouver? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. My name is James Sabalski. He's Perry Silkowski. Greg Ballack's on the other side of the glass. We're kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. As we say, welcome back, National Hockey League. How you doing, P? Um, you know, no apologies to July 1st, but today you feel like a Canadian. We waited essentially 10 months for this. I know we enjoyed our bubble hockey, James. We watched it. It's our job. Others were out holidaying in the sun, albeit in their backyards. But it feels right on a cold, dreary, windy, stormy January day. It will be dark out and we will have the NHL and the Vancouver Canucks back. going to be so much fun. And we had a little taste in the summertime, but this is what it's like to be a Canadian. Love it. Love it. And, and man, I think every Canuck fan has been excited and optimistic until about, oh, 13 hours ago. And all of a sudden, the most Canuck thing happened. And you find out that JT Miller is not going to be in the lineup for probably the next week or so. Because, oh, yeah, we're in a pandemic and players aren't immune just as we've seen in Major League Baseball, the National Football League, and the NBA. All the optimism and the excitement, I think some of it still lingers, but man, somebody just walked by with a pin at your balloon at a birthday party and just went, boom! I couldn't believe it when it it came down yesterday. And, And we've said before, when you go over the 51 years of this franchise, there are so many stories that you go, oh, that's just the Canuck thing. And, and we, we can't put a poll question like that. But my goodness, if there's a team that could lead the NHL in COVID, why wouldn't it be the worst thing possible? And no fault of the players and the organization, but it just seems like this kind of stuff happens. And what it does do, James, and we have been so positive, and I will remain positive, Perry, on this team, is boy, and, and you can do it for so many teams, you, you just take away the Ung Sun hero, which was ridiculous last year, but really the MVP of that team, JT Miller. You just go, uh-oh. I don't know Travis Green talk. Next man up, next man up. But boy, the first game of the season, you miss a guy who is the constant. There's just no debate how good JT Miller was going to be, how consistent he would be. And they're going to have to battle with it. We wait and see, and we'll find out today for how long. But at least it looks like for this road trip without JT Miller. Well, and no Jordy Ben. And boy, if it was this just a way for Jordy Ben to get, you know, his name back in the press? <laughs> I mean, you know, we haven't heard anything about J- you know, Jordy Ben for the last how many months? He was kind of, you know, scuttled aside from Oscar Fantenberg, and then Fanta goes away, and now it's been kind of the, uh, the finally, the resurrection, if you will, of Ole Ulevi. 
I mean, I don't know. Was it ever a resurrection? I, well, I guess he was drafted fifth overall. But we just yeah, kind of forget you know, about Ben, and then this happens. Serviceable player when they needed him, uh, they just didn't need him to be, uh, you know, point A in this situation. Yeah, it will, we'll have to see. You're going to have to have so many people step up. You know, we'll break things down too. You, you know, you can look at this Edmonton Oilers lineup too, and you know, you can name their superstars. But then you go, if they're going to be successful, they will need. You know, is Zach casting the equivalent of of Jake Vertanen? Is is Jesse Puvijarvi the the equivalent of of an Ole Olevi? You you expected so much and it hasn't happened. So there are holes in every team. It's just disappointing the hole happens before they drop the puck because you know it will happen again to other teams. And you also know you could play 60 minutes of hockey tonight and go, okay, now you've got your first injury. And when you start depleting like that, you know, a little bit of the shine is going to come off a lot of hockey teams starting tonight too. Five o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. And then the puck drops seven o'clock tonight for the uh, Oilers and the Canucks in Edmonton. And, you know, your, your point about taking a guy like JT Miller out of the lineup as much as this team has progressed with depth, you take a frontline player like that, and all of a sudden you go, man, you know, how does this lineup look? And it's significantly different. As Jake Vertanen yesterday skated alongside Petey and Besser, and, you know, the Horvat line stays intact with Hoaglander on the right side with Tanner Pearson and Bo. But then suddenly Zach McEwen steps into that, that third-line role with Gaudette and Roussel, and, We've seen some optimism with that line, I guess, going back to last summer. And then Mott, Beagle, and Sutter, that's a solid fourth-line grind line that can try to match up. But suddenly you go, man, the offense. Um, you know, will Petey be as effective? Look, I think I think we all agree that Petey's going to take a step forward here. But, you know, it, are they as effective the lotto line when you are no longer the lotto line with number 18 taking in the spot for JT Miller, who was – no, I think you can make a case he was the team MVP last year, right? I mean, led the team in points, Pear. Nobody saw that one coming. Well, I did. I tweeted it and told you guys he had more goals than best. <laughs> so, yeah, listen. Fair. But are they any are they any different than other teams when all of a sudden you go, okay, we just lost someone on their top line? Now, it's not like you – know, and, and please, don't misunderstand me. When I go, it's not like they have a Goldobin. It's not like they have a guy who's not really a complete player, but is good offensively in one zone to plug in. It's going to be third line move up, and they have more than enough guys to plug in on that third and fourth. I'm glad Zach McEwen is playing. I think he was on the outside and, and deserved a spot. He will bring an awful lot of energy. But isn't it funny that the one guy that we continue to talk about for three years now will go, okay, are we getting good Jake or bad Jake? Because if you get good Jake again today, it's not the same type of line, but you may only need him for three or four games. Um, so that's that's the thing, though, too. Miller's gone for a couple of days. Well, a couple of days is usually going to mean a couple of games. And how quickly, if you get into a slide, and we heard it yesterday, man, you, you get into a real quick tailspin here, uh, there's going to be a lot of catching up to do because there's going to be no easy night. So deal with it. And that's essentially what Travis Green had to say. Deal with it. They knew it. Maybe a shock to the public when they found out what was going on. The scary part is, as soon as you hear one thing, do you know there's going to be more? of the? There were 27 positive tests to the NHL over the last couple of weeks, 17 from Dallas. It's the fear factor, and you <laughs> of understand course why it's Texas, practice, right? right? Of course it's Texas. <laughs> yes, yeah, shockingly. Everything's bigger in Texas, including COVID. <laughs> but the fear factor, right, is, oh, my goodness, one guy has it. How bad could it have been? JT Miller practiced with it, so... 
Uh, it's just so Canuck, isn't it? It's just so Canuck. I hope they can overcome that one today. Well, and and that's it, right? Can can they overcome against a, an Oiler team that obviously had their their changes? But that's the dynamic of the North Division, right? Everybody's kind of got a question mark, at least one question mark around the rosters. We'll get into it all morning long here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup. Lots to get to over the next three hours. Ed Jovanovski is going to join us coming up in uh, just after 7 o'clock. So in a little over an hour from now, we'll talk to Jovocop. Uh, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins and with Dunbar Lumber, Mr. Fix, it drops by as well with 7.30 this morning. Your Canucks commute at 8. We'll be joined by the boys from the program, Andrew Walker and Canucks insider Satyar Shah. That's coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. All sorts of predictions throughout the morning as well. No BS, just PS coming up at 6.45. Seaball says at 6.30. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 6.50. Love to hear from you. And at Sportsnet 6.50 is where you can find us on both Twitter and and Instagram. Jim Benning, the general manager of the Canucks yesterday pair, uh, joined the uh, program uh, with Walks and Sat and touched on a number of things. Didn't get too into detail over what happened with respect to uh, Jordy Ben and JT Miller and their availability, just saying that they are not available at this point in time. But, you know, when you look at the protocols that are in place with the National Hockey League, uh, this is going to happen. And this is ultimately going to compromise the teams throughout the season. And case in point, what happened with Vancouver going into tonight's season opener on the road in Edmonton. Here's what Jim Benning had to say in terms of the COVID protocol. And, man, there are lots and lots and lots of books that the NHL has put together with this. But Jim said, plain and simple, this is on the guys that put on the equipment and try to win the games. You know, the players have to be disciplined in their approach, um, you know, and, and we've educated our players on this. And, and you know, hopefully they got the discipline to – follow through with you know what we need to do to try to try to keep them healthy and you know keep a full roster so there's jim benning and and i think he's right on this one right i mean as a team you can do everything you can but then there's the the human element guys you got to behave and based on what reports suggest here the suggestion is that Jordy Ben may have had a possible false positive. If you have a positive test, then you have to have three consecutive negative tests day after day after day before you get out of isolation. It was also reported that JT Miller was living at Jordy Ben's place. So, well, now suddenly you're in one another's bubble. So now Miller's kind of exposed to that. So that takes him, because of the exposure, out of the equation. So now both of those guys are immediately ruled out. And because of the protocols that are in place pair, neither one of these players are going to be available for the next week or so at this point. We will get an announcement from the NHL and the Canucks today, and I don't know how specific they go into it, but you're right. That appears to have been the case, that there's been a you know, player tested positive, then negative, and they did multiple tests, and it, it appears, you know, and well, they'll confirm it. And the NHL can't say that, yeah, it was Jordy Ben. As I listened to Jim Benning, I thought of this, and because it's a Zoom world and we don't get close to the players, you don't know the situation. And Jim's saying, hey, man, as an organization, we have everything in place that we can, and it is strict. 
and the players got to be smarter. My thought was this. Yes, uh, to the rink back home. But for some, Jordy Ben is married. Is it the players? And does that net throw all the way to the families, right? To your wives who are you with or girlfriends if you're if, if you're staying with them. If indeed they are, I will assume JT Miller being in the basement, his wife and, and young child have stayed stayed home. Um, but you know, so there's responsibility on everybody in that household do it and and whether this is a a clear signal that hey i don't know where you're going and the the one thing i hate about all this stuff james and we talked about it during the summertime i hate the speculation that is involved so i hope we get clarity but yeah it is completely on the players i'm aghast at at some of the things that the nba has had as rules because they've been so lax and you've seen how they turned around but yeah it's on the players and, and if that's the situation it's not only on the players it's on their spouses too to go, okay, make sure you can be as safe as possible. But as we've seen, you can think you've done everything right. And just by chance, the next thing you know, it happens. They're just lucky if it was contained to those two players, because at some point I think we will see like the Dallas stars, you're going to have a spread before the season's done. Well, it was more than just an abundance of caution uh, when they canceled practice as it turns out now for the Canucks back on Sunday. And, you know, both Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet.ca and Patrick Johnson from Post Media were all over this yesterday and, and really kind of did a deep dive in terms of breaking it down and going through the COVID protocols for uh, for somebody to kind of check out if you don't want to go through the 54-page book or the other three 13-page booklets that the NHL has compiled. But, you know, with Miller practicing on Monday, Ben didn't. And there were a few question marks when I was down at the rink that day going, okay, I wonder if something happened here. And so if if both players do clear the negative test process, they won't be able to play for the Canucks until the team returns home next week because flying or driving more than five hours to a new locale requires a seven-day league-mandated quarantine following a trip. So a huge blow for the Canucks. Uh, You lose your leading scorer to start the season going into the, uh, the year. It tests the depth ASAP for this team. And this is something that Jim Benning alluded to last night on the program that, you know what, as much as you like to see the depth progressing, <laughs> you're, you're kind of tested right out of the gate just how deep you really are. This is going to be a type of season that we're just going to have to accept. You know, these things are going to come up. Um, I think, you know, we got good depth on our team. We don't want it to happen. But like Travis was talking about the other day, we got to be flexible. Um, and, you know, these things are going to happen. We got to accept them and just try to, you know, be competitive. And, you know, we're excited about our group. Um, you know, we've had a good week of practice. Um, you know, we got some some young players that have showed up and looked really good so far. I really like our defense this year. Uh, Hamanics joined our group and we got him signed today. And, you know, I think our defense is as solid as it's been since I've been here. Um, our goalies have been good. And, you know, our forwards, we got uh, a group of guys that are going to work and compete hard. And then we got our skilled players that, you know, I think that experience of them playing in the bubble last year and playing in playoff hockey where, the intensity and the focus, you know, was heightened. They've just come back with that much more confidence this year. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see where we're at. It's going to be the Canadian divisions. All the teams are good. It's going to be tough games every night. But, you know, I think we're ready for it. 
There's Jim Benning, who uh, has just renamed another player in the NHL from Travis oh. Hamonic to uh, Hamonic. <laughs> I tell you, shout out to Jim to be as knowledgeable he is hockey-wise and seeing a player and mispronounce so many names, unless he's got an inside track to about 10 guys. Who he, he, might, he, might have, he might rival Dolly Wallpair. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, close enough. Hey, you want some hamonic with the cheese? Yeah, sure, I'll take that on the sandwich. Um, he's right, though. You know, you think about it. That experience in the bubble – and we'll get into it when we make our predictions. But what? You're two games in when you lose Tyler Toffoli. And you mentioned the pin going out and go, oh, boy, we're so excited about the season. No JT Miller. Well, it's the same thing in the bubble. Oh, my goodness. Tyler Toffoli, that's the guy you got. And we got him at the trade deadline. Now we've got a legit top six. And he's gone. We're going to have to move things around. And they did. So they did adjust. So, you know, I think on the outside, the media and the fan base gets a little more concerned, no JT Miller, than maybe the guys do in the room. Because they have been through this before. But there is no way you are winning any division, whether it's the Gord Downey division um, or whether it's anything down in the States without having some depth and without having some storylines that maybe we can't see right now as we're hours away from puck drop, James, where someone just goes, wow, I, I didn't think he would have that kind of a year, be it, you know, maybe out of some Adam Goddard scoring at, at a bigger pace. We expect Hoaglander could contribute, but I think you need some name that you don't expect to be a superstar to have a breakthrough year to be successful. You know, and man, how about looking at Elias Pettersson, right? You know, Elliot Friedman in his 31 thoughts uh, column that dropped yesterday, you know, he kind of looked at some, some good futures bets for the national hockey league to start the season. And he thought, you know, a, a good one at Elias Pettersson that you can find on some sites, but at plus 2000, right? 20 to one odds for Elias Pedersen to possibly win the Hart Trophy, right? I mean, I think we're all kind of – I think everybody's kind of waiting for that explosion. And I'll tell you what, amazing to see how many national media, and on both sides of the border for that matter, to see Elias Pedersen kind of kick into gear for this upcoming season. I mean, you know, here's a guy who was just a shade under a point a game, but – I think everybody kind of looks at Pedersen and sees this great ceiling. Now, how does this impact him the first week? I mean, you're looking at four games that you're going to lose out of having JT Miller along your wing, but great players find a way. Look at Nathan McKinnon last year, Pear. I mean, look at the injuries that the Colorado Avalanche went through, and they are a stacked team, but they lost Landeskog at points last year. You lost Makara at points last year. You lost Randon for a chunk of time last year. Like, everybody seemed to go down last season except for Nathan McKinnon, and the Avalanche kept their heads above water and were a great seed. You know, can the Canucks do this? Is Pedersen got that gear? Because you alluded to this at the outset of this segment here and kicking off the show. You know, we sometimes overlook the fact that just how great Petey and Hughes are when you're talking about these situations like JT Miller and him being out of the lineup now. Does Pedersen have that gear to put the franchise on his back? And we saw it at times in the postseason. Well, and I would argue this. I think he does, and I think his name is the first name that goes on the whiteboard in the opposition dressing room. And and he will be ready for the challenge. Superstar players. They understand you got to stop Sidney Crosby. You got to stop McDavid and they continue to go through. And I think Petey showed that going, okay, you're going to be physical to me. I'll, I'll prove it. And as that happens, and we'll hear from, from Travis Green in a second, when you match that number one line, which is Petey's up against the other team's number one line, I think there's a guy there who can't wait to get on the ice that has a C on his jersey and said, hey, you guys all talk about Petey and try and stop him. If I get the number two line against me, 
You want to see how I led the you led for a few weeks the the bubble and playoff scoring that I that I single handedly made sure we were baiting the St. Louis Blues. I think Bo Horvat's going. Hmm. I know what you get from me, but watch me put up some numbers as well. And that's the offset you get when you have a legitimate number one and number two center. I think Bo's ready to to bust out offensively too. And I think there's a big question with respect, can Hoaglander be that guy? I'll tell you one thing. Travis Green, listen to his comments when it comes to Elias Pettersson, certainly very confident with what he sees from his franchise center. Uh, we've tried to kind of bring him along in that way with the right timetable, time frame to match not only his offensive game but his defensive game as well and make sure that he's he's having success. You know, you don't want to do it too early where a player is – getting scored on every game and ultimately not getting the points he wants either or he's capable of and, and helping you in that way. We, we feel Petey's going to be a player that, you know, we can look for advantages with him against other lines. You know, I, I listened to that from, from Travis Green describing Patterson there, and, and I think to myself, go back to that movie Gladiator with, with Russell Crowe, you know, and Mal Maximus would say, on my command, unleash hell. And Travis Green finally feels comfortable to be a po- at a point where to say, you know what, Petey, you go match up with McDavid. You know, get out there with Sid. You know, go out there with Austin Matthews. Like, go best on best. And it feels like they're at that point now when it comes to Petey. Well, and not only Petey, but he talked about it. And you think about it, they have brought him along slowly going, here's your different situations, and he's proven I can handle the whole 200 feet. You knew you had that in JT Miller. But now we can go back, and we heard from Brock Besser yesterday too. You know, Besser, if you're jumping on that line, you can't be a deficiency. You've got to make sure you have your responsibilities too because if you're looking at the left wing on the other side, there's a guy who's going to be able to snipe too. You better be able to figure out what you can do when your team doesn't have the puck. Yes, you're dangerous, and if you have the puck, that's the best form of defense. But when you lose it, make sure you're responsible. And I think and, and you know, I think that's part of it. We can match up Petey's line, but part of it is because – Hey, both guys on both sides of the wing, one really experienced in JT Miller's when he's there and Brock Besser there as well. And, and Besser spoke too. Uh, we won't get into it, but he spoke, what's the difference with Jake on the line? Well, then even Brock has to be more responsible defensively bring Jake along. So uh, you think of the maturation process of that line and those players, uh, we've kind of watched it for the last couple of years. You're not only going to be the highlight makers, but you're better away. And the coach has some responsibility and some, some belief in what you can do if you're taking on the team's top line the up, up from the opposition. Well, and, and you know, when you, you look at all this depth that's being put to the test here, Pear, you know, the one thing that we really haven't touched on yet, and I feel like a lot of people have kind of overlooked here over the last 24 hours, Louis Erickson, that much closer to getting back in the lineup and begin yeah. resuming his quest for a 1,000 NHL games. I told you, I, we haven't decided <laughs> what the bet is. He'll score. You know he'll score. <laughs> He may no. score in a wheelchair and crutches, but he'll <laughs> score. Yeah, you're right. You're you're one away, James. You you could move Jake up, but what's your next move if you lose someone in the top six? Right, like what if, if Howerluck's healthy? I, if Howerluck's healthy, I think they'd sooner go with uh, Jace Howerluck. But yes. you know, the fact that he is nicked up, he got hurt in that second scrimmage on Saturday. Um, so I mean, Louis probably he's right there though. He's right. Somebody else goes down tonight or tomorrow. You know, you could see Louie in the lineup come Saturday night. Gosh. <laughs> we haven't dropped the puck and just it, – it, it, it's going to be a 56-game <laughs> soap opera. That's what we're about to embark in. You know, Vancouver, here we are. Remember, you know, assume the worst, right? Assume the worst. 
<laughs> 50 well, years it, of utility. Where you get it going. You know, here's what they're assuming because our poll question this morning, please jump in and vote with us. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in on it um, on Sportsnet 650. It's quite simple. As we get set for the puck to drop, where do you think this team's going to finish? Yeah, you had a little bit of, oh, no JT Miller tonight. Are they a first-place team in the Gord Downey Canadian division? Uh, 15% of you say yes. Second place, a little more comfortable there, 17%. Third and fourth, which essentially, if this was an 82-game season, we'd be having the conversation, are they a playoff team? Now, 52% of you are going, yeah, no, they're a playoff team. 14% are still of that mindset. Nothing's going good for this hockey team. It'll never change. And they think they will miss the playoffs. Hey, missing the playoffs, considering the competition, is not necessarily complete failure because if the teams are as good as we expect, it will be difficult. But I, I would slide into James, too, in that third and fourth spot is where we may see this team go. But it's going to have so much to do with what's going on in the world and around them and how players are treated and a little bit of luck and smarts. And we've seen that the Canucks are starting off on the wrong foot as they open up at Edmonton tonight. I got to weigh in on this poll question in a moment because we're going to get to Seaball says at the bottom of the hour and where I say trying to pick the winner of this North, this all-Canadian division, this Gord Downey division, it's a sucker's bet. But I'll try to do it regardless, and we'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. But I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, trying to pick a winner in this North Division or the Gord Downey Division, as my partner likes to refer to, is like trying to predict a role in Yahtzee or the King of Tokyo board game. It's almost a sucker's bet. Outside of Ottawa, the All-Canadian Division boasts a magnificent array of parity. Each team offers something to love and something to question. I'm so confused. Here in Vancouver, I love the Canucks' top line. Entering the conversation as one of the league's best, the lotto line kind of checks a lot of boxes with even more room to grow. JT Miller shoots and scores! Aw, JT. But what about scoring beyond? Will Hoaglander provide the offensive punch to prevent Horvat's line from drying up as, as it has on occasion? Can Vertanen and Gaudette give the Canucks scoring through the top nine as opposed to a bottom six? And in goal, which versions of Demko and Holpe will there be? Can they be one of the best tandems or a complete bust? I don't know. In Toronto, the top four offensive threats are as good as any four in the league, but then it thins out after that. The Leafs are banking on some familiar names, but ones at the end of their careers to push this team over the top. And is a new-look blue line good enough to actually win? I don't know. McDavid is every hockey pool's top pick, but it's been four years since the NHL's best player has won a playoff round. Sure, Dreisaitl helps, but what about the rest of the forwards, let alone the team in goal and on the blue line? Calgary poached Jacob Markstrom from here and answers a major hole for Brad Treliving's Flames, but can the late-blowing Markey keep it up with the Flames, and do they actually have enough firepower to win? I don't know. Winnipeg might have as deep a top six as any in the league and the reigning Vesna Trophy winner, but what about the D? 
And did they actually reach the best before date with their captain, Blake Wheeler? Not to mention, how will a disgruntled Patrick Line fare? That brings me to Montreal. It's a team that has felt lost for the last seven years. Are they all in? Massive roster changes in the offseason, but will it work? Are the kids for real after seeing what Suzuki and Kotkaniemi showed in the playoffs? My money says yes. Carey Price finally has someone to give him some proper rest. The blue line is big, mean, and mobile. When up front, I see eight or nine players that have the capability to score 20 or more in a traditional 82-game season, adding to Foley, Edmondson, Jake Allen, and even taxi squatter Corey Perry gives the team four new players in the room who have won Stanley Cups. Price has shown he's still one of the best. The blue line is a monster squad with no one in their top four under six foot three, and up front, Gallagher won't be burdened with the need to always score. Not with the likes of Anderson, Suzuki, Tatar, Tafoli, Drouet, Armia, Suzuki, and Kotkaniemi all sharing the load. Chemistry might take a while, but with a group of newcomers that have all won cups in different markets, I don't see it as a problem with each understanding what is needed to hoist the cup. I'll skip the Senators as not yet ready for prime time and come to this conclusion. My father... A lifelong Bruins fan who instilled his hate for the Canadians in me as a young child will likely disown me for saying this, but I'll take the Habs to lay claim to the first and possibly only year of the poutine division. And that's Seaball Says. Just to work, uh, you know, with the gentleman and you can take anybody and when you go okay i want to talk to you about this uh we're going to debate it well what side do you want me to take it is so easy with the exception of the ottawa senators james to go okay you know please talk about toronto why they will win it and why they won't why the canucks will win it and why they won't because there are so many bright shiny lights with each one of these teams and then there's the what if factor well you lose a player here there it won't work uh, we're, I'll, I'll make my predictions right now. We'll get into it a little bit more. And people are starting to send in their predictions to our Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, send them in right now. Who do you think is going to finish in the top four here in this uh, Gord Downey Canadian division? And it's funny. Uh, I knew you were talking about this. Didn't know what your pick would be. I did so many different variations of how I think it'll play out here. And I just thought of Buster Douglas, thought of fading the team that everybody loves. And I have spent a month going, wow, good, good on what Montreal's doing. But how much do we love the Canucks because of what they did in the bubble? How much do we love the Montreal Canadiens because of what we did in the bubble? And, you know, you wonder about the Oilers because they're knocked out so quick. So I thought, I'm not going to base everything on, on the unique scenario of guys staying in a hotel, walking a couple of hundred meters and then playing a game. It's going to be a little bit more normal when they jump on planes. And if you look at that, then you base it a little bit more on what we saw in the regular season. When we saw a Montreal Canadian team that if they don't go to winning percentage, likely not in the playoffs, had a big game against Buffalo coming up before COVID canceled it. And we love Carey Price in August. Carey Price was 32nd in the NHL last year in save percentage. So I love the changes. And I love the fact that our friend... Brendan Gallagher is going to make some big money finally. 
but I'm going to say the Montreal Canadiens are actually going to miss the playoffs. And I'm going to say the team we see tonight on the opposite side, led by two of the best players in the league and the Hart Trophy winner and a guy with Kyle Turris, local boy, he jumps in there. Tyson Berry is going to win it. So I've got Edmonton winning the North Division. And with that, I've got Toronto and their changes having too much talent to finish second. Third place team, I him and hot forever, but I think the Calgary Flames have done enough and are solid enough that they've got the depth that they can get in there. And then that's where I battle, but I think the Vancouver Canucks will be good enough and stay healthy enough that they'll finish in. But I think the Edmonton Oilers are winning the North. It's hard to it's hard to dismiss the best player in the league and the reigning Hart Trophy winner, right, with Leon Dreisaitl. I've got Edmonton actually second. I got Montreal one. I got Edmonton two. I just feel like McDavid's due here. Toronto, I got a three, just with the loads of firepower, and I think the vets help. I got Winnipeg fourth. I just think there's too much offense pair, and they've got a great goaltender. I got Vancouver at five. They're close. They're right there, but there's just too many questions. Secondary scoring, goaltending, what does that look like? Sixth, I've got Calgary. There's the team that I think a lot of people really like. I I just don't know if they've got a real difference maker, and I'm just not sure if the third D is going to be as good as it's been in years past. And then I've got Ottawa at seven. So I've got Vancouver on the outside looking in. I'm sure I'll probably get ratioed here at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line, but I will offer this one caveat pair. If the Canucks prove me wrong, If the Canucks do get into the playoffs, and I am proven wrong on this prediction, I will shave a Canucks logo into my hair. You will shave a Canucks logo into your head if if, if the Canucks get into the postseason. Mm -hmm. Nice. Listen, considering how you looked last year in the summertime with your your dreadlocks, that might be be an improvement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you with one thing. And we talked to Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg. That city gets no respect. I don't care what you're doing. And, and no. I spent three weeks there back in the Canada games. And I thought, ah, I was almost apologetic. Man, sorry, I trashed you for the last 40 years of my life. You're not that bad of a city in the summertime. But, James, you made the point, and your C-boss says, that's a pretty dynamic top six. Like, that top six is just – and I'm not saying crazy superstars. I'm just going really good, complete NHL players that if they light it up and a Patrick Liney in that situation can get going, they'll be okay. You know, it's interesting. Wheeler talking yesterday when Lucas Pisa was let go and, and a guy who's good with the media says, I didn't like it. I don't like it. And that was it. So you wonder, you, you can't have division in that, in that loom, but boy, I, I wonder if we we sleep a little bit and don't give Paul Maurice and that team of Winnipeg any respect. But as we've stated, you can make a great case for pretty much everybody other than, the Ottawa Senators, but you and I are both trying to break it all down. And as we saw yesterday morning, flying above all of this is the unknown. And there will be a lot of teams that will be doing some serious juggling. And if they're juggling when they're playing three and four nights, there's six points they're not going to get back. So that will be the challenge of what we're going to see over the next six months. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Trevor and Nanaimo on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, he's got Toronto 1, Edmonton 2, Calgary 3, Vancouver 4. Then we get Toronto in the first round and send them packing. Could you imagine a Leafs-Canucks first-round playoff series? Or even a second round for that matter? 
I mean, the, the possibilities. Well, we might finally get a Leafs and Habs, if nothing else, too. I mean, I mean, I'd love to see a Canucks and Leafs go at it for the first time in, what, over a quarter of a century. Uh, Eugene Mel looks right. He thinks he can get 6,000 people in to watch games eventually. You know, here's, here's something we haven't talked <laughs> about either. And then deleted the tweet. And, and I'd love people to text in. This is great. Every night is going to be fantastic. You're going to see a great match. But I wonder, let us know. Text us on the number line text line. Are you going to miss the fact that you are going to have to go looking to watch the Colorado Avalanche play? You have to go looking to see a Dallas game against, um, you know, a, a Dallas battle with St. Louis to see Sidney Crosby go up against Ovechkin. It's great because we've got the Canadian division at an all-time best in the last 20 years at least. But, man, there were some times when it was nice a new team rolled into town. And there were some really good hockey teams. The best hockey team in the NHL, in my mind, is in Colorado. You know, you're not going to get to see the Stanley Cup champs play unless you're looking for it. Is there any point of as we get Canada, 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 maple syrup? Yeah, we're all about it. Boy, there's going to be some really good hockey that we're not going to see unless you're the hardcore fan. You've got your NHL Live, your Rogers package, and you're watching it. You'll miss some of that. At least I will be missing it after a while. Go, man, what's what's going on today south of the border? Who's playing who? James uh, Torgi and Langley uh, saying, can't wait to see it, James, the uh, the head shave. Other suggestions for uh, do the one-chip challenge instead of the logo. We've we got we got to address this this morning as well, oh. Per. Uh, my reports say that Dan Riccio is still alive. Um, <laughs> after, Man. After, wow, that was something else. I like hot food. I, I enjoy the hot wings. At one time it was during Super Bowl in, in Arizona, we went to a, a Buffalo Wild Wings and and I said, you know, just load it up. I, I like my hot stuff. And she, the lady's just the way she said, sure. Yeah. And it was ridiculous. Like it just ruined the next four hours of my day. But boy, what Reach <laughs> went through yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, like, <laughs> you empathize. Like somebody going to like, are we going to get some first aid? Like where's the first aid trainee that uh, in the building that you're supposed to have on staff? Like, you're just watching him scuffle and people listening on the air to to watch him struggle along. Uh, lots of people jumping in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, we'll keep the good times going in just a moment here. Ed Jovanoski joins us at 7 o'clock. And in a moment, pair, we get a little P.S., right? We'll find you some stuff. You think protocol in the NHL has been tough? You won't believe how loose it's been with the NBA and what they have been allowed to do until today. We'll bring it down to you. It is not BS. All PS ahead. It's game day, the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. It's right here. Sports Hunt 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. 649 on a game day. Here's some of the things you need to know. It's not BS, just PS, everybody. You know next month, maybe you don't. NHL's going to Lake Tahoe for a weekend to play a pair of games. Do the players exactly know what the setup will be? Not really. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I actually, like, I have never uh, skated on a lake my entire life. We're not skating on a lake, though. Huh? It's not on the lake. It's not on a lake? No, it's beside the lake. No! Yeah. I thought it was on Lake Tahoe. We're playing on the 18th uh, fairway, bro. No! Take, I didn't even know. You take it, take, you take For it. real? Oh, just crushed my dreams. 
The dreams were crushed from Colorado's Pierre Edward Belmar. That was the press conference yesterday, the Zoom call. He's with Andrew Berkowski, and he goes, oh, you know, I love playing on the lake. You just crushed my dreams. It's going to, the artist rendering, James, looks great. It's going to be fascinating, but no, they're not playing on the actual lake. Looks gorgeous, though. I'll never forget the first time flying over and, you know, the captain on the, on the plane saying, hey, you know, if you look out to the left, uh, you know, you can see down below to, to Lake Tahoe. And, man, it is just, it's just a sapphire of a lake. It's gorgeous. Never been. Uh, always planned to maybe get there one day. Uh, this isn't BS. This is PS. New tougher restrictions to the NBA as they battle COVID problems. Another game canceled last night. And this one is serious. This isn't BS because you and I, over the last 12, 14 hours, were looking at all the protocols for the NHL. The NBA announced yesterday they are eliminating visitors to hotel rooms. Are you kidding me? You're telling me you're trying to get the season done and players, players have been allowed until yesterday to have up to two guests come into their hotel rooms. If they were family members or at least if they were long-standing personal friends and you're wondering why you have a problem, you allowed that to happen until now. Couldn't believe that. <laughs> yeah, there, you're, you're not allowed to. When you're on the road in, in the National Hockey League, like the rules are pretty, like you can't do anything. You've got to basically just stay in your hotel room and go to the rink. Like you cannot go to the restaurant. You can't go down to the hotel bar. You can't go to the hotel restaurant. Like you pretty much have to stay in your room. It's like almost mm-hmm. like a mini isolation or quarantine when you are uh, on the roads for, yeah, that one surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're going to lock it down with COVID. No more than two visitors to your room. Okay, excellent. Wow. Hey, P.S., tonight is all about hockey this weekend, uh, but uh, a little bit of history um, happening south of the border in Los Angeles 15 years ago today. He looks in the mood tonight. David Beckham, right-footed. It's a good one. It's 2-1. Uh, you know what? David Beckham arrived in Los Angeles and MLS. You make these big signings. He was worth it in every sense of the word, James, for what he did for the league. Yeah, it's it, unbelievable, right? And and to look at what he did and, and shook hands and kissed babies all around North America to help grow the game. And you think of the massive, what it was, I think it was a quarter of a billion dollar contract in 2007 that he agreed to with MLS. And... You know, I, I, when he came into Toronto, I was I was working in Toronto at the time, and I remember having a brief interview with him, and, you know, it just came across as so affable pair, just easy going, and, and for a guy who's got so much mystique around him, I still have a David Beckham signed Champions League jersey from the treble year from Manchester United that sits in the office here that I got 20 years ago, and it's, uh, yeah, man, um, Good dude. I got a lot of respect for what David Beckham's done and for the growth of the, I mean, for a growth of a global, the biggest sport on the planet. Yeah, you know, it was spent a lot of time, you know, traveling the five years that I did in Major League Soccer. He was there. There's a guy who can sell, and he was here to sell no matter what the press conference. He was there to answer the questions. And, and finally. And, yeah, you dealt with him here too, did you not? 
Yeah, no, no, a fair bit. He's, you know, an easy guy and understood his rule. Uh, tonight's all about hockey. On the weekend, it'll be hockey and a little bit of football, a little bit of NFL history, if you will, in one of the games. On January 17, 2021, the two oldest living human beings on planet Earth will battle for the opportunity to play in the NFC Championship, which will probably be in Green Bay against that nice young man, Aaron Rodgers. But for now, it's great Grandpa Drew and the New Orleans Saints versus the Big Bang himself, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only on history. <laughs> Frank Caliendo doing his Morgan Freeman for what is going to be a fantastic matchup, Brady Breeze on the weekend. Man, that's it. That's just, just nailed it. Just nailed it with uh, just the, his Morgan Freeman is is just spot on. Yeah. So cool. And that voice. When you lend that voice to anything sports-wise, it's fantastic. So, man, we are in the middle of it with hockey, NFL, playoffs. This is what it's all about, my friend. No BS, just PS. Love it. Uh, five minutes to 7 o'clock. Jovo Cop's going to join us as he does each and every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. We'll dive into his picks uh, in not only the North Division, the All-Canadian Division, but also who he likes to win the Cup this year. We'll get into all of it. We'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people. Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. And it bounces to the left corner. Now wheel sits in front. Byron with a backhand chance. Denied by Demko with the left pad. Pearson stops up, top of the red circle, shoots through traffic. Stopped by Koskinen, and then Horvat scores on the rebound. These guys are here to break it all down. You, you know I'm, I'm, I'm big on the, on the Pedersen train. If you guys are going to be successful this year, he's going to be that an MVP level player. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. There's something about um, gambling that never works out in your favor. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. 7 o'clock. It is game day. We are 12 hours away from puck drop to kick off the 2021 Canucks season. How you doing, everybody? James Zabolski, Perry Solkowski with you until 9 o'clock this morning. We'll catch up with Ed Jovanovski momentarily. But the Canucks... In Edmonton, they're ready to go tonight against the Oilers. Minus one major ingredient in the lineup tonight, Pear. Oh, man. It's so Canuck to, you know, the history of this franchise and to have some some tough luck. And, and I, you know, every team may go through this. But you get so excited about opening night and then to have the word that you will have no JT Miller in the lineup. Jordy Ben gone for a while. We don't know. We'll get official word from the Canucks as to when it will all break down and when they could be back and exactly what has happened. But the assumption is that Ben may have test positive. Miller living in his basement. Uh, they've gone through a series of tests and they may be back when this team is back. So it may not be two weeks as being speculated. But. Yeah, disappointed, but, you know, Travis Green, I, I think the fan base and everybody goes, oh, that's disappointing. Next man up, and that's what it is. Next man up as they open up against the Edmonton Oilers tonight. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. 
Well, I mean, you know, it's it's still a clean sheet of ice for every team, but suddenly right out of the gate, depth comes into question, right? Jake Vertanen practicing yesterday with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser on that top line in place of JT Miller. Uh, some great reporting here uh, locally uh, as people trying to connect the dots as to what happened here with the team, but the suggestion is that um, it may have been a false positive test for Jordy Ben a couple of days ago, forcing the cancellation of Canucks practice and then um, – you know, if it was indeed a false positive, if you do have that initial positive test, you have to go through three consecutive days of negative tests to get out of isolation. Uh, it is suggested that JT Miller has been living with Jordy Ben, so that complicates things because Miller had been exposed, so it took him off the ice yesterday after he had practiced with the team on the Monday. So here we are. Uh, where it looks like JT Miller and Jordy Ben will not be available to the Canucks at least until after this road trip in which they will take on the Oilers back-to-back nights tonight and tomorrow pair. We've got you covered here on Sportsnet 650. And then they head to Calgary for a double dip Saturday and Monday against Jacob Markstrom and the Flames. So, and, and uh, James, to be isn't it funny? Yeah. We always talk and have since 1970 how the travel just never lines up for a team on the West Coast, and that's the case for the Vancouver Canucks. But when you deal with false positives and, and COVID testing, one thing in, in, in the new bylaws and the protocols that the NHL has is, you know, you can't fly, obviously, but you could travel and keep yourself isolated, essentially quarantining to meet your team and play. But that distance that the players can travel by car is five hours. Well, you're screwed again unless Seattle's jumping into the league, right? If you're Edmonton, you're okay. You could get to Calgary if that's the competition. But think about that if you're out east. You know, you're fine if you're Toronto, aren't you? You're you're fine if you're in Montreal and your games are in Ottawa. And then especially when you go south of the border. So, again, there's a little bit of a travel rule that doesn't work in favor considering the isolation of the Vancouver Canucks and where we sit. Pre-game show starts at 5 o'clock this evening here on Sportsnet 650. Two hours, and then uh, Batch and Hershey with the call coming up at 7 o'clock tonight here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Uh, let's welcome to the fold former Vancouver Canuck, former three-time All-Star when he was a Vancouver Canuck, but uh, there's more All-Star appearances than that. Just ask him. One Ed Jovanovsky. Jovocop, how are you, buddy? Morning, guys. How you doing? Oh, you sound fired up. You ready? I am. Tonight? I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, good. Good games on too. Like it. Where's the? Is money? it going to be really good hockey, Jovo? Can we compare it to what we'll see in the bubble, or is this going to be all adrenaline tonight for guys? What is opening night like for players? Well, it's it's exciting. You know, obviously, I mean, players not knowing how things were going to unfold, and and now here here we are at day one. Guys are excited. Um, how's the hockey going to be? You know, it's hockey. I think everybody's just excited, you know, for fans yeah. that to be able to opportunity to watch it. And 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 the hockey will get better. I mean, there there could be a couple games tonight that you know that are better than the others, uh, you know, as far as pace and and uh, you know how clean the game is, passes, etc. But uh I, I would imagine there there'd be a few shifts out there that the coach is gonna be able to break down in video the the next day. So give me a sense of how you look at the Canucks. I mean, you, 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 JT Miller now out of the fold, uh, at least uh, for, the, for the week, along with Jordy Ben. I mean, I think the Canucks will be okay without Jordy Ben, but it's taking a guy like JT Miller in the season he had last year. How does that impact the team here in your mind? 
Well, it's taken, you know, it's, it's early, obviously the first game, but you know, you're taking a, you know, 27 goal guy out of your lineup and, um, you know, is a big part we, we talked last year, you know, what emotional player he is. He's, he's passionate. And I could only imagine how he's going to get the guys fired up if he was there for the first game. So, um, it, it's tough loss, but it's, it's one of those things. Are, are we going to just kind of, kind of see this kind of unfold throughout the year? You know, it's unfortunate how, you know, with, with, with COVID around that, you know, guys got to be extra careful you know, in these situations. And uh, if you want to be on the ice, you're going to have to make that sacrifice to really be safe when you're away from the rink uh, and not put yourself in positions to where uh, you think possibly, you know, something can happen. Now, having said all that, it's 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 hard, right? I mean, yeah, kids that are going to school, whatever the case may be, um, you know, the wife's going somewhere. I, I don't know. Maybe you put lock everyone down for the for the hockey season. It's tough, but it's definitely a big loss for for Vancouver. And hopefully, he can get back uh, sooner than later. Yeah, and you know what, Eddie? Eddie, deal with that in a sense too. Jim Benning was on the program last night and and said, "Listen, it's you know, it, it eventually it, it falls on the responsibility of the players as an organization and as a league. The NHL has done everything, but to your point, Ed, these guys aren't machines." And if they're married with kids, it's not like, hey, by the way, everyone's inside this bubble. You can't go anywhere. I mean, there is go your do your job, but there also is try and live your life just like we all are with great precaution. But there's really not much more I would think that they can do. You're, you're right, Perry. And, and I think that's what it boils down to is this is how I mean, I, I think players you are not stupid. You know, they, they don't want, you know, to get COVID and be taken away, not only you know, what they love to do, but, you know, for health reasons. And, you know, but like you said, I mean, you, you got to live your life. And sometimes you just want to say F COVID and, and kind of just kind of go along and, 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 and do your thing. But you, you know, Benning's right. I mean, some falls on the player. They can't have control of you all day. So kind of what you're doing in your spare time, um, you know, could reflect on, you know, how things well, unfold for but, you. But even their spouse or something, Eddie, right? Like, how right. honey, I'm going to practice. I mean, there's so many moving parts, right? There's so many. I mean, you're going to tell your wife, hey, listen, you can't go to the grocery store or yeah. you can't go work out or you can't go do this with the kids. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and it, it's, it's kind of sucks that we're in this position. But, you know, listen, I, I, I think with all the vaccines and everyone and get the necessary people vaccinated and as we move into, you know, you know, the athletes, the players, you know, everyone vaccinated. Hopefully that's going to come quick and we'll be hopefully good to go. Everybody can live their life and not be worried about everything. Uh, how do you see the uh, the All-Canadian, the Gord Downey division, the Poutine division, the All-Canadian, <laughs> the North division, all the different names? Right. How, who, who, do, who do you like in the Canadian division? Well, it's, it's tough project, you know, kind of, looking at the group and saying, Uh you know, who, but, you know, I got to go with, I got to go with Toronto, Montreal at the top. I I, I have Vancouver in the third spot, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Ottawa. But Ottawa, I think is going to be a tough team to play against. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know. I I think the parity in the NHL is there. And I think because of the shortened season, I think the importance of these games are huge that guys are going to be gearing up. And that's why I think that the hockey is going to be pretty good right from the get-go. 
guys are going to understand the importance of points and, you know, putting yourself in a position, to, you know, to, to make the playoffs. Um, but Toronto is a, is a talented team. I like what Montreal's done. The goaltender, obviously, um, you know, Vancouver, hopefully you can build off what happened last year. Uh, Winnipeg's in a situation, you know, they got a great goaltender, brought Stastny back. I think if they can get line A kind of on the same page, uh, it could be an X factor there. And then Edmonton, Cal- Calgary, you know, they are what they are. They got, they got talent. It just, you know, keeping the puck out of your net is going to be something that you got to focus on. And, and Ottawa made some changes in their young team. And um, I like what DJ Smith has done there and, and I, I think they're going to be a team that their identity is going to be work. So you got to be ready to play them. Ed Jovanovsky joins us as he does uh, on the starting line at Perry Solkowski, James Sabolsky every Wednesday morning. Eddie, you talk about teams getting on a roll. That's what we're going to see in such a condensed uh, schedule and so many back-to-back and playing a team three times in a row. So we understand when you're on a roll and you want to keep on playing. But when you're not playing well, the coach is always waiting for practice. Is it that much more difficult if you go out and lose tonight uh, to play the next night, or is that what you want right away? And if you get into the funk, do you think that's what we're going to see? Just some teams are going to hit some really high rolls and go, man, that six, seven games are going to pick up so many points. And when you start going backwards, it's right. going to be a spiral that they can't get out of. Well, I think it's going to work early on. A team gets in an early funk, you lose two, three games, or, you know, you lose a couple games in a row. You're like, I think the comment's going to be, listen, we want to get back on the horse we have an opportunity tomorrow to get back in the win column. But as that slides and you just can't win a game, you know, you're going to want to almost kind of step away from it, you know, a little bit, you know, regroup and, and see where it goes from there. But I, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for a team to lose four or five games in a row and not see them slip so quickly. So I think that's how imperative this season is as far as consistency that, you know, you got to string some games together and you got to have that separation in the standings because both ways, it works both ways. You could, you could slip, you know, significantly down where it's kind of an uphill battle throughout the year or you get on a run and you really position yourself well. But, um, you know, to answer your question, I think it works both ways, Perry. I think, you know, sometimes when you – when this it's a slippery slope, when you're going down, you just can't seem to gain any traction. You just find yourself losing games and, and then Especially the demeanor, with no time to practice. Right. And the demeanor kind of goes down and you're like, then you start blaming COVID and you're like, God, everything is, this is like not working out. And just kind of the body language goes down and now you're playing the season out. I've been a part of those seasons, not with obviously what the pandemic we're dealing with, but when things are just going so bad, you're just like uncle. You know, this can we get this season over with? Because by November, man, you're out of it. Yeah, yeah, and then and then that just—I mean, it just be, losing becomes contagious, does it not? Right, right, and and so does winning. I mean, when you have that good feeling around the room, and and you can you can have an you know a very average game, and find out at the end of the game that you guys pulled it through because that attitude is always there. Where hey, guys, stick with it. We know we can get this done. You know, but when on the flip side of that, you're down to nothing early. You're like, oh, boy, you know, we're, we have no chance here coming back. Well, you know, and so. the tough part, guys, will be, and Jim Benning spoke to it. A, you're not going to have that practice time. 
B, you're not going to have a point in the schedule where a coach can go just get away from the rink. Right. And, and C, you're not going to be able to make too many trades when you're dealing with borders and, and two weeks of quarantine, too. So the fix-it problem is going to be within that room and done quickly. And I just don't know how when you pull out of the funk. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's what I was thinking. It's got to come within. I mean, the, the sacrifice and the commitment's got to come early on. Leadership group kind of taking the group saying, listen, guys, this is this season's different than others. You know, last year we experienced the bubble. This year is, you know, slightly different, you know, but we have to, um, you know, get out of the gate and come out, play strong and try to sustain that throughout the year. We're going to have, we're not going to win every game, but if we do lose a game, we got to kind of get back into correcting what we need to correct and get back in that win column. I want to share something for you um, that Brian Burke said earlier this morning on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And he talked about each Canadian team. Like, you, you look at every team, like the Canucks, whether it's the Leafs, the Habs, the Oilers, the Flames, you can kind of find a question mark with each team. And, and Burke, he kind of said the problem with each of these teams is just it's they're almost built. They're almost too top heavy. Here's what Burke had to say. Take a listen to this. With the Canadian teams in particular, I'm struck by how top-heavy all of the contenders are and therefore how thin all of the contenders are. I truly think you're one, one, if you're one of these elite teams in the Canadian division, you're one injury away from catastrophe. Do you, do you subscribe into that theory? Is this just a, a simple the, the, the way of the world with the salary cap that we're in now? Right. I, I agree, but when you look at kind of league-wide across the board, can you not say that about yeah. most most of the teams? I mean, listen, you want you want to spend your money, you want to spend it right, and you're going to spend it on your top two lines, and most of the time you're going to look at that team, hey, listen, we're top-heavy, that's where our money is, and we got to kind of fill in the three and four lines. But, yeah, I think you can look that at as every team. I mean, you get a team like here in Florida, you get Barkov hurt, good luck. You know, he's a big part of your team, both ends of the ice. When he gets hurt, you know, it's going to be tough sledding. But I think there's some so, exceptions there, right? Like, I, I just I, just to counterpoint that for a second, like, I look at, I mean, Tampa obviously did a wonderful job now. They obviously have some cap issues to deal with. I like, I like the Flyers to come out of the East. Like, mm-hmm. I love the balance that they have with that team where, you know, Giroux and, Vor, uh, Giroux and Voracek now finally have some help, whether it's through Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, Konechny's evolved, Couturier's a stud. You know, you've got all these guys on their, their back end. You know, Carter Hart's a stud in goal. You got Provorov, Gossespierre. Like, there's, they, they check a lot of the boxes for me. And then you look at the Avalanche in the West. Like, you know, they find it. Like, there's, it's hard to find a lot of holes in that roster, whether it's up front on the blue line. Like, there are teams that seem to kind of – find that balance out there yeah and and that's the tricky thing right is is finding you know top to bottom where you can feel that you've plugged every hole to where you have you feel like you're the best fit and those teams have done that i i I like philly too as well Mm -hmm. i think they play hard i think they're well coached um in colorado we know about what kind of their depth and, and their top guys but um i think you can look across the board guys that you know, every team has that one or two guys that say, "Listen, if if something happens, that we're gonna we're gonna need some major readjustments to kind of get through." And and some teams have that solid depth to do it. Some don't. 
Well, I, and I, I think in, in, in Berkey always goes back to his Anaheim Stanley Cup championship team. When you look at the four lines he had were great. But I think, guys, if you went back to St. Louis two years ago, it wasn't crazy superstars. And, and, and Tampa, you know, again, you're the role player step up. I just think, you know, you don't become a role player until you put in that position. Ed, do you? Like every team, I agree with you, James. You're built with let's get some money, let's spend it out. If, if the Islanders are going to be successful, yeah, we're going to talk about Matt Parzell, but you're also going to talk about the fact that they can score with all three or four lines and defensemen are chipping in. I mean, that's how you beat it. build a championship team. That's common knowledge, isn't it? Right. And when you have and when you have a solid and when you when you can look top to bottom and you're you're excited about your group, I think players that are thrown in that situation can't play. Well, they can if, if you know, um, a big injury or something, I think you can slot these players that have great depth. But these players come in knowing, listen, we're going to be in that third and fourth line and we're going to be the best third and fourth line in the league. And I think when you look at the teams that win, and and Berkey's right, that Anaheim team was, you know, with Moen, Paulson, Niedermeyer. I mean, these these guys were contributing everywhere on the ice and they were, so, they were a tough line to play against and you need that group. So I think... You know, what I'm trying to say is when you have a top team, uh, these players understand their roles, you know, where they're slotted and they make the best of it. And um, they, because they're in that third and fourth line, it doesn't necessarily say, listen, you can't contribute offensively. You know, these, the good teams, these team, these players chip in and that's why they have success. We got to get to uh, Son Yaslam down the hall from News Eleven Thirty in a moment, but we got about twenty seconds. Where's the money going tonight, Eddie? Ooh, well, the two teams that you mentioned, I really like Philly and Colorado. Mm. Um, I like um, and I like Toronto. Mm. All right. Your futures bet or just a bet today? James and I are trying to make some people some money this year. I'll give you bets of the night. Yeah, no, I. I I really like Colorado. Yeah, I really like Colorado tonight. Yes, um, I do. I, I've got I've got Colorado and the over in that game at five and a half points. Right. I think that's where yeah. uh, that's where I'm putting the money tonight. Um, listen, parlay, par, parlay them all. You get better odds. They, exactly. <laughs> parlay them with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> right at six and a half. Really? Yeah. I was to, I was told buy them up to seven and and really like your bet. There we go. The Rams. Take care, buddy. Enjoy. All right, guys. Take care. Talk to you next week. There we go. Uh, Joe Badoski, Joe Cop, joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650. And we go down the hall. Somebody who uh, got disrupted by Mother Nature in the (laughs) middle of the night, I understand, one Sanyasm. There's a power. There's a hashtag BC Storm going down. As always. No, did it not wake anyone else up? It woke me up last night. The rain and the wind. thought my windows were going to blow out. Uh, it was nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. I was surprised this morning that A had power, but uh, maybe we got lucky in, in the Tri-City areas here. It doesn't sound like other people did, though, did they, Sonia? No, we have like 40,000, 50,000 people without power. And Low Heat Highway, which I take every morning, uh, a bunch of all the streetlights are out. The only light you see are the traffic lights and people's headlights. All the streetlights are done by like Gillardy and production and Lake City and all of that. The entire stretch is completely pitch black. It's kind of cool. Not bad. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of cool, but dangerous. 
Um, yeah, but I like to live on the edge, obviously. Come on, you guys. Yeah. yeah. With, with what you cover all the time, yeah, it's pretty much... Uh... Yeah, you like you like what was it? What did we go through yesterday? COVID, Trump, we went, murder. It, that's right. COVID, Trump, murder. That's the, the the order of the stories every day. Well, it depends on what kind of murder. Is is Trump getting impeached or what? Is this going down? No, they keep talking about it. They keep debating it, which is what they're doing right now. It's just a whole bunch of process. Nothing's happening yet. Um, it'll go to a vote again, and then we'll see what happens. But they were like, hey, Mike Pence, can you invoke the 25th Amendment? And then last night he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not the actual conversation, just so everyone knows. I'm just summing it up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> just so we're all clear. Things move, things would move a lot quicker in Parliament if that's the way people do it. Hey, yeah. hey can you do this? No. No, I can't do that. So they were like, hey, Mike Pence, do it. And he said, no, I'm not going to. You guys are on your own. And so now they're talking about it. Now they're going to vote on it. And then... We'll see what happens. And if it does go through, if it does go through and Trump does get impeached, he will be only the well, he will be the first president in U.S. history to be impeached twice. I'm trying to not laugh while I say that, but <laughs> hilarious. Giggles. Giggles. <laughs> well, because what a mess. Also, you waited till his last week in office to do something. Do you have you seen his track record? Yeah, he's kind of a yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave it yeah. there. Yeah. What else are we worrying about locally? Um, I don't know. I'm too distracted by hockey being back, so I haven't even paid attention to that. But, but, but so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's exciting in some respect, but what a, a horrific story last night of a woman being set on fire here locally. Yes. Right? Yeah. So this was, this actually happened uh, in mid December. We only found out, we only found out about it yesterday. Uh, Vancouver police released some really horrifying and shocking video um, about a woman. She was a homeless woman who was set on fire by a man. Uh, she was sleeping on the sidewalk on Hamilton Street right near the Queenie Theater. And he sort of walks up, he paces back and forth, and then he lights something, he lights her on fire. And it smolders for a few minutes, and then it really just rages. It goes completely, the video goes orange, you see huge flames. She's able to wake up in time to put the flames out, and then she walks away. And he's already gone by the time she does that. So the problem now is, where are they? Police need to speak to both of them. So um, I've tweeted the video on my Twitter account. If anyone wants to see it, you know, warning, there is some graphic video. Um, but they think that she doesn't have serious injuries. She never went to the hospital. They can't, haven't been able to track her. So if anyone knows what happened, it was about December 13th at about 4 a.m. down on Hamilton Street downtown. If anyone saw it or knows anything, the VPD really, really need you to give them a call. Hmm. yeah it's disturbing to see yeah it, it is that. and it's, it's the thing it, it is and it's not the first homeless person attack we've seen because on december 31st we had four random machete attacks in vancouver and two of them targeted homeless people so definitely a trend that we don't want to see and is of concern to uh to the cops but hopefully they're able to find this person well at least hockey's back right Oh my gosh. How's that yes. for a segue? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited. I'm super, super, super excited. Canucks going to make the playoffs or what? Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I, well, I don't know. There's do, a hardcore fan debating. I don't do those predictions. Like I hate when people go, oh, tell me the score, you know, of the game. It's like, no, I don't do that, man. Let's just watch the game. Let's see what happens. And that's it. Uh, I think, I think we have a shot at the postseason for sure. Will we make it to the cup final? Uh, I, I don't know. Take care, um, and we will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks, All boys. Right. Behave. All right. There she is. There she is. <laughs> there she is. Uh, diehard Canucks fan, Sonia Aslam.
weighing in with the latest uh, down the hall from News 1130. All right, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Stanley Cup winner and Mr. Fixit, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber, will discuss opening night jitters and how you handle them within the room and much, much more. Your Canucks commute, Andrew Walker, Satyar Shah, joining us at 8 right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people, here on Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, 7.33 here on this Wednesday morning. Opening night in the National Hockey League. The road to the Stanley Cup starts tonight. Ken Priestley's got one of those Stanley Cup rings. He knows what it takes to get there. Are the Canucks getting in the playoffs in your mind there, buddy? I think so. I, I'm excited. I mean, it's uh, it's been a long time. But, yeah, I, I think they have a team. I think that uh, as long as they can stay healthy and and their, their new guys come in and, and contribute, I think we're good. What are your memories of, no matter where, you, you, you played in a lot of places. What's it like for a player opening night? Uh, opening night is, is, is probably the best feeling you'll get unless you win the cup. Right. And it's, uh, it's a lot, usually a long training camp. It's a lot of, for young guys, it's a lot of battles, a lot of nerves. Am I going to be in the lineup? Am I going to be out of the lineup? Uh, for the older guys, maybe it's a little bit different. Um, but, uh, opening night is, is special because you, you, you're, you're there at the start of the season. Um, usually you have the roar of the fans and, uh, the electricity in the building and the popcorn smell and all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, this might be a little bit different, but, uh, it's still opening night and, uh, it's still another hockey season. And, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for, for these guys to get back into it. Um, and, and just get this started and see how it goes. What what are what are the 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 pregame speeches like for an opening night like every, like everybody's got a shot right at this time of the year right Ken like nobody they're, 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 no, there's not yeah. a lot of tension in the room right no you know what I never I, I was I didn't I played with John Tortorella for one or played for John Tortorella for one year Rick Dudley was the head coach in Buffalo and John Tortorella was the assistant coach and he was probably the most fired up guy that I had that was ever an assistant or a head coach and uh you know he just came in and gave you a shot on the side of the pads and said let's go right there was no real fire up speech that I ever had I mean it was mostly the stuff that I ever had was witness to was was my first ever you know opening day lineup and actually started which was incredible um and it was my first nhl game was in winnipeg and mike felino uh was my right winger and uh that guy celebrated everything as we know with goal jumps and all this kind of stuff and i mean he was the guy who basically just came into the room and said it's time let's go take a deep breath here you go slapped in the side of the shoulder pad side of the helmet and uh let's go boys right and that's that's pretty much it. But uh, everybody knows what they have to do. It's again, it's just the start of the start of the season for everybody, and we just want to make sure we get through it healthy. Hopefully, get a win and start ourselves off on the right foot, and and go from there. Can we always say in the media, uh, players can be too amped up? I, I love your analogy that opening night next to winning the Stanley Cup is the most exciting time because you're waiting three, four months sometimes. To, to get there and you just think this is going to be the year when we say a player's too amped up 
what what does that mean? I mean, is it legitimate you could go on shifts and and you've got that extra burst and you're chasing the puck and leaving your zone? I mean, you just can you mentally just forget about some things for a shift or two? You yeah, I think you can. I I think you can uh, you can be so excited that uh, you just forget how to react, right? You just you just everybody gets fired up and 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 ready in different ways, and um, you know sometimes it's uh, it's just a little over the top. It it it, it it's it's just the way it happens. But, uh, if you can calm yourself down, get in that moment and, uh, and, and just feel the excitement, feel the atmosphere, understand what position you're in and what the job is that you have to do. Uh, things will go great, but, uh, I don't, I think coming into opening night, it, it, there's, there's no, there's no right. There's no wrong. You're going to be excited. There's no question. Just get that first shift in, get a hit, Make a nice play. Hopefully, get a shot on goal. Don't get scored on. Uh, make sure you're going out for the second shift. It's uh, it's just a whole bunch of stuff all rolled into one. And uh, but it's a it's a great feeling. Ken Priestley from Dunbar, Dunbar Lumber with us here on Sportsnet 650. So Vertanen kind of jumps into that top spot for JT Miller with Miller out in all likelihood for the next week or so. How do you? I mean. When you look at something like, you know, Jake's been that frustrating player in this market for almost seven years now. How do you, like, how do you try to generate some success here when you've kind of gone from a, a training camp where you've been a third-line guy and now you kind of get thrust in that role? Like, do you, do you salivate at that? Or, or I mean, how do, you, how do you try to take that approach? I hope he's salivating for it. I mean, it's, it's his time. I mean, everybody always said to me, and you guys say it the same, next man up, next man up, next man up stuff you 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 cherish the opportunity so if if in jake's case there's been a lot of stuff that's been said about him we all know he's a talented guy we all know he can do it we just want to see if there's some consistency to it and uh there's no doubt that he was a is a scorer there's no doubt he's an offensive player it's just can he put it in game in and game out i mean there's been times where i've watched him and 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 he's been a fantastic player and there's times that you don't even really notice him but this is his time. I mean, he's playing with the best of the best and, uh, you know, make the most of it. And uh, hopefully it works for him. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I've been put in situations before, too, where, you know, someone gets scratched and, and now it's your opportunity. Someone gets hurt. Now it's your opportunity. That's sometimes what makes or breaks players. If you take this uh, and roll with it and, and be successful, they'll find a place to put you. And uh, if Jake rolls with this and, and, and find some success with these two guys, uh, how do you take them off that line? I mean, obviously, J.T. Miller is, is an exceptional player, and, and, and that's where he's going to go back to when he's healthy. But, uh, you know, they got to find a spot. If Jake all of a sudden starts scoring, they got to find a spot for him on a regular, regular, regular line that gonna, he's going to contribute in that way every game. Ken, what's the mindset? You, you mentioned you've been in spots in your pro career where, you know, someone gets hurt, so you're going on a line. You were a scorer in junior um, I would think when you get that, and Hoaglander may be example tonight, is it easy to go play and say, I'm going to do what I do, or do you just go, I don't want to be noticed because I've made a mistake? Like, how easy is it for a player to play, you know, for lack of a better term, free? It, it That's a skill I think you have. I mean, it's it's mental. There's no question about it. Everybody who makes the opening day roster is – is a legitimate NHL player and they can all play in, 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 in most situations um, as a goal scorer and coming up into a situation where uh, 
fourth liner you're going to get out every four or five shifts or that's how many shifts you're going to get in the game. You just have to understand that that's what you're going to do. Uh, Eddie said it at the beginning, you know, the teams that were, have the most success, and, and, and I can only say it in Pittsburgh, when we had success in Pittsburgh, everybody knew what their job was. And if you were a goal scorer, but you were put on the third or fourth line and all you had to do was check that game, that's what you did. And you accepted it, right? You just, you just, this is what was best for the team. This is what the game plan is. If you kind of get off that and do your own thing, you're not just affecting yourself. You're affecting everybody else around you, your line mates, your defense partners. You're affecting everybody. So the game plan is the game plan. And uh, if, if you can follow it in, in whatever job description you're, you're put into, then you'll be successful. If you, if you kind of go away from the team aspect of the things, uh, it just it doesn't work because everybody else is pulling the same way. Well, it's back. Let the sprint begin. And uh, I guess uh... – Kiss your loved ones, uh, because uh, based on the amount of hockey that's coming at us over the next three months, uh, won't be a lot of time for family activities, will there, Ken? No, this is hockey. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is time to go. I think there's there's nothing else on TV as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's I think the uh, the record button has been pressed two or three times today, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. I'm really excited, so hopefully everybody enjoys it. Take care, buddy. Nice to catch up. Thank you. Take care, guys. There he is. Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber, Mr. Fix-It, looking ahead to opening night, the jitters, the clean sheet of ice. It's the optimism pair. That's the one time of the year. You know, as much as we've all kind of got the Ottawa Senators finished last in the North Division here in the All-Canadian Division, like the Senators, they've got that optimism that, hey, we got a shot here. It's a clean sheet of ice for us. Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzel. You know what I mean? There's, there's hope. Everybody's got hope at this time of the year. Then it changes, but right now, everybody's got that optimism. It's been 44 weeks since Ottawa Senator fans have watched their team. You know, it's 44 weeks since the LA Kings, 44 weeks from teams who did not make the postseason. I mean, it'll, it'll be amazing. You know, Ken makes a great point. Like, how excited uh, are, are those players to finally jump back on the ice and do what they've done their whole life? And I, I, I love his analogy. That with the exception of winning a Stanley Cup, this is the one day that as a player, you go, this is it. This is so exciting to walk in to that room, to hear the anthem, to say, now we go. Disappointing thing is, and who knows which fan base will feel it tonight, as excited as you are and as you gloss over everything, go, here's why they'll win, here's why they win. If you don't win tonight, that means warts have been exposed. Okay, that could be an issue. And then we'll dissect all that. But it, it's fantastic. This is what our country is about. And we did have hockey in the summertime, but it just felt a little bit different when it's 30 degrees outside and it's 2 o'clock and you're thinking, I'm going to watch the game. We did, James. It's our job. But for people, 44 weeks before we feel like, okay, yeah, it's wintertime and we've got hockey. A binge watching of a different kind for the next five months. Well, it is game day. Uh, don't forget, it's a 5 o'clock pregame show that starts uh, later on this evening here on Sportsnet 650. Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah will join us on the Canucks commute coming up at the top of the hour, so we'll kind of have a little bit of an early pregame show, if you will. Batch and Hershey with the call coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, your Canucks commute just around the corner. In a moment, we will check in on the status of one Dan Riccio. He took the one-chip challenge yesterday. Reports suggest that he's still alive. That's all ahead and much, much more right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. That was only a minute.
yes. Yeah, that. Why, why, why is time so slow right now? Oh my god. Why, why, why was that only a minute? Okay, what are you feeling right now? What are you feeling? Just sheer pain. Oh Did my god, there's off? so much heat. Where is the pain? In the back of my throat right now. Uh oh. Every time I swallow, it's like swallowing a flame. Oh! Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Oh, 7.49. You know, I'll tell you, man, I was impressed. Like, if that was as hot as it was, for Riccio to go, what, five-plus minutes before finally taking a drink after the one-chip challenge, that is beast mode, Pear. I was impressive. Uh, let's talk about the range of emotions, um, not about Riccio, but that people should have had watching that. Like, it was really funny. Like, oh, Dan, are you going to do this? Oh, he did it. Oh, this is funny. Oh, it's like swallowing a hot flame. My goodness, the time's only a minute. And and I enjoyed all that. Then at about the three-minute mark, I said, like, do they got anybody there? Is this guy going to be okay? Like, I, you felt empathy and sympathetic for what he was putting himself through. Good on him. Like, I love my hot food. I love spicy food. But watching him do that and not having the outlet. I remember once I, I went to a restaurant, probably 2021. You're you're in the chicken wing phase. And you just said, hey, man, load me up. Tell the chef as hot as you can. It's the middle of winter in Edmonton. And I drove home with my mouth wide open like a dog puts his head out the window. <laughs> it, it was that cold. Like, I was looking for anything to get some relief wouldn't do it now but credit to Riccio to pull that off yesterday every time i swallow it's like swallowing a flame oh <laughs> there there's i enjoy spice i mean that was uh to, to that degree that just sounded like it was just complete discomfort uh as that played out on reach deep yesterday afternoon um you you share those moments. I remember my dad used to try to when he was an uh, an undercover cop. He was a narcotics officer for years, so he he totally tried to live. He, <laughs> I should be careful what I say here. He tried. He looked the part, right? Long hair, beard. The oh, he jeans, looked like Serpico. He t- totally looked like Serpico, and uh, you know, leather jacket. Just to- looked like the biker from the from the mid eighties, right? And. We went out for wings one night, and he just—it was all about testosterone in those days. And so we go for wings this one, night and he's just—I I want the Devastator or whatever these suicide wings. And this restaurant brings this plate of wings to him, and like you could smell the heat as the as the waitress is bringing them over to, and it had like this green molten sauce. It just looked uncomfortable, and within about three wings. My father's face was drenched, like sweat just beating down onto the table. And all of a sudden, he just kind of flails back in the chair like, oh, oh. And my mother thought he was having a heart attack, right? He grabs his beer and wolfs it down. He's like, oh, it's too much, too much, and pushes the plate away. And the server finally came, took the wings, and they, they got him. A, you know, went back to just more of a traditional hot, but... Those moments, there are some of those sauces that are out there that will kick your ass, and props to Riccio for getting it done yesterday. Yeah, no, but about a buddy took uh, that I was, uh, sent me a picture on Sunday. He loves his wings. There, apparently, there's a Pinty's Five Alarm that's nasty, but 
doing it by choice and doing it because you've lost a bet, which was Riccio's case, was uh, was tough one. But good for him because you know when you do that, it's not like you want to talk. You just you're you're fanning around your mouth. You look for something, but good on Dan to try and talk because I can only imagine it was that much tougher. Wings tonight in hockey. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, hockey wings. No not wings. The red, not the red wing. Not the hockey. red wings. Like, that's perfect, right? They'll finish last again, Wait. won't they? Yeah. Uh, someone has said that we should one-up Dan with the Death Nut Challenge 2. Apparently, it's harder than one-chip challenge. Like, why? At some point, and I don't even know, if we Googled someone dying from these challenges of of the chips or death, de- I think we'll find one, wouldn't we? Death Nut Challenge 2.0. What the heck is that? Man, people were already suggesting at at, at six thirty this morning when I when I suggested that uh, the Canucks will be on the outside looking in for a playoff spot in the All Canadian Division, and I put it out there, pair that if the Canucks do make the playoffs, I will shave a Canuck logo in my hair. Yeah, and somebody suggested there were more than a few people actually said do the one chip challenge instead. I feel like Riccio's done it already. But, you can't uh, repeat it. I think at the, the end, death, though, it's fun to either listen challenge. or watch people suffer as long as you know everyone's okay in the end, right? That's Oof. human nature. It was fun to watch Dan suffer as long as Dan's okay and working today. Here's and what if he I, had yeah. a tough night, which I think he did, well, it's your choice. Well, I was going to say, it's, it might be the after effects, like once it works its way down through the system, right? Like, how, oh, how does that impact the, I, the new meaning yeah, of the ring I te- of fire? I, te- I texted him, James, before he started. I said, put your toilet paper in the freezer. Like, do it right now. <laughs> All right, 7.55. Your Canucks commute is just moments away. Satyar Shah, Andrew Walker, the boys from the program. We're talking all things Canucks because it's game day right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Oh, Did my God, there's off. so much heat. A cup of joe and the Canuck commute. You know, we had a game together last year in Pittsburgh, and um, I thought we played well, except defensively we were, uh, wasn't our greatest game. So, you know, I think uh, Jake's playing with us, and uh, we're going to have to make sure we're responsible in our own zone and then uh, continue to have that work ethic and, and create chances for our team. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. 8 o'clock, it's your Canucks commute, and a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is brought to you by our good friends over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Satyar Shah, Andrew Walker will join us here on our Canucks commute here momentarily, but some big news for the Canucks is they got word last night, Pear, that uh, J.T. Miller and Jordy Ben not available for the team to start the season tonight in Edmonton. Big loss, especially when it comes to J.T. Miller particularly. Uh, Jim Benning on the show yesterday afternoon was sat and walks and said, we will learn more this morning, whether that comes from the Canucks and or um, the NHL. But it looks like they won't join the team, at least on this road trip. Maybe they have J.T. Miller back. So we become the first city, an NHL city, to report a COVID case to someone who's going to be a a big part of a hockey team. We will not be the only city to do this. It's just a matter of where and when, but how Vancouver Canuck to do it before everyone gets set to go. And I, I think from a media perspective, we go unfortunate, deal with it, and then what do they have for depth? But you remember, this team played very well without Tyler Toffoli, which was a loss of the top six. Not to the same point that JT Miller will be missed, but 
if you're going to be successful this year, every coach and Travis Green has said it, you have to adapt and you have to have some depth. We've kind of looked more at the blue line, but now it's depth and how do you fill in that top six role? And surprise, surprise, Jake for becomes a big point of, will this team be successful or not? How does Jake fill in that role? It is it is fascinating. It is he is totally the cat came back in this market, right? And Always. you think about when he signed pair when he got his new contract. What was the conversation? Oh, he's going to get an opportunity. He's going to get a look in the top six, and and it just never materialized for all that talk this whole off season through the winter. It never materialized as once camp opened up a week and a half ago, it was Niels Hoaglander who was put onto that second line and that unit alongside Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. And, you know, the shiny new toy in this market is Niels Hoaglander. And we'll be curious to see if, you know, it's expected he'll make his NHL debut tonight. And I think he kind of calmed down a little bit on the back end of training camp, but he has certainly got a lot of people excited in this market. But I think the question is, secondary scoring, just how sustainable is it for this team up front? I think you love the lotto line when it's together. Just how effective is the scoring after that? I think it was obvious that you needed that additional winger alongside Bo and Pearson. But at this point in time, um, we continue to kind of wait and see. But I think there's a lot of people that are excited to see the opportunity, what Hoaglander can do. And I think it's probably happening a little quicker than most of us anticipated here. What will be interesting is is with these back-to-backs is how quickly do you adjust? Canucks come up flat tonight. Jake doesn't fit there. Hoaglander looks like, wow, this is the NHL and it's too much. So what do you do? Do you make changes automatically? James, by the time this team gets back, honestly, I think Louis Erickson will have played one of these games. Like it's that kind of case when you lose JT Miller and it just speaks to the versatility and the responsibility that Louis can bring. If there's a defensive deficiency in that top six and it just doesn't fit, where do you go? You feel Zach McHugh, and you can feel that bottom six role, but again, it speaks to a void in the top six when you lose one of the superstars, and arguably their MVP last year in JT Miller. How do you fill the void? Well, Pear, you know, we, we like to think that we put in an honest effort day in, day out, but, you know, during the playoffs, there were some next-level um, shifts pulled by uh, one Satyar Shah doing 10, 12-hour shifts and uh, set to go here on the season opener. They've got a three-hour show, usually weekday afternoons from 4 to 7 on the program. Not only does he navigate the pregame show, which is two hours, he does the intermissions, he does the postgame show, and he's up and at it 8 o'clock this morning, bright and early, ready to talk some Canucks. It is the most wonderful time of the year for one Satyar Shah here from the program, joining us this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Sat, how you doing, man? Good morning, gentlemen. What is happening? Ah, oh, man, it's excited. It's- Chris, it's it's Christmas Day, right? Like it's I, yeah. I am, you know what? I think the fact that we've waited so long, but I, I feel like there was a little bit of a buzzkill yesterday when you get the word from JT Miller. But I think the one thing to kind of see with this, uh, you know, and sat like this is kind of what we're going to have to expect, and not just. I mean, look, the Canucks got kicked in the butt by it, but this is something we're going to see probably all across the league over the course of the year, if the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA is any indication. This is going to be part of life this season, right? Like we're we're going to have to be used to seeing players not play. We're going to have to see protocols come into place. This is going to be life in the NHL in 2021, 2022. The, the, the hope had been that maybe in Canada, because the case numbers relative to the U.S. have been less, that it would not affect Canadian teams as badly. Already we're seeing potentially some effect. Now, what's interesting about this Canuck situation 
is it indeed a player who has actually has COVID or is it because of imperfect testing to this point? And that's going to be something we're going to find out today. But obviously, if we thought not playing in a bubble would mean we wouldn't have any issues with COVID like the NHL didn't have in the summer in the bubble. Well, obviously, that's not going to be the case this season. Sat, we're going to get it. We're going to get uh, probably a plethora of injuries. It happens. And when the news comes out yesterday morning, it forces us, and we do on all our shows, uh, all, 24 hours a day on this station, talk about depth. But when you lose a guy like JT Miller, and it comes around to Jake Vertanen again, is that where the fear will be more so maybe in the top six, top six depth with this team than it is even on the blue line? I like the, the top line. When you take JT Miller off of four games, I mean, obviously that's a bit of a gut punch, especially early in the season. That's minimum potentially for four games for JT Miller. We'll see ultimately what happens with him. But that's going to be the underlying story for this team this season. How much scoring depth do they have in front, up front? Mm -hmm. Who can emerge this season? Who can score a bit? You are going to have injuries. You are going to have unforeseen circumstances as we've already experience to start the season with the game starting Edmonton with no JT Miller and no Jordy Ben, but especially up front when you don't bring Lebo back and Toffoli of course was the big loss, but Lebo was the guy who was here all season. Lebo wasn't a guy that separated this team from the rest of the group, but he provided you middle six step, a guy who could play up in your top six, a guy who could, who could step in if things went awry and give you some cover. The question here is, do the Canucks have enough players that can give you some cover in the top six if somebody goes down? This obviously means Niels Hoglander is going to have to be good. And if he is good, well, that answers and alleviates a lot of questions. But if he struggles a bit and isn't quite ready, and Jake isn't quite you know there to place consistently in the top six, then yeah, that could be a question for this team. So obviously, who emerges and if they can get somebody internally to take that next step is, is what this team needs up front if they want to be able to score at the same pace they did last season. Satchaw with us here on the Air Canucks commute this morning here on Sportsnet 650. You know, that's the fascinating thing that we've been discussing throughout the morning here, Sat. In the, you can look at every team in the, the Gord Downey Division, the All Canadian Division, the North Division. That there's a question mark with every team, right? And I think the one thing that, and, and I think at times I'm probably guilty of being just too insular in this market, looking at this squad, but. There's questions with respect to the Canucks goaltending. I think it'll be okay, but I think until you know, you don't know. But the blue line is significantly better. I, I'm I'm totally in on what they've done defensively, but up front, it's it's that it's that hole with scoring, and they never really have replaced it with Tyler Toffoli. Maybe Hoaglander is that guy, but that's a lot to ask from a kid who just turned 20 a couple of weeks ago to step in here. And when you look at his numbers that were pretty modest in the Swedish league, those are huge expectations here in the NHL, the best league in the world, to kind of step in and, and help out Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. I think it's scoring is a major question mark once you get past that, you know, your, your top-heavy group. Once you get past four guys or so on this team, you know, I just don't know if you've got enough in the way of offense. Maybe Godet can prove to be that guy. Maybe Jake can be that guy. But, again, it's the old until you know, you don't know. I mean, man, I, I thought you'd be a bit more jacked up for the season. Where's pessimistic ah, James it's, all it's of a sudden the, when the, the season You know what? It's begins. the JT Miller thing rattles me. Where's the goal's going to come from? I give him 24 hours. 
that's like waking up on Christmas and being stressed about the eggnog not being there the rest of the day. Like you can go to the store and get some. It's, it's the rum. Day. It's the no. rum. <laughs> no, but I'll say this. Like that's an obvious concern, right? Like, okay, what's your scoring depth going to be like? And I do think if you look at the ceiling of this team, that's going to determine how good they are. Are they more than a playoff team? Can they, you know, do damage? Do we consider them as having taken another step? Well, you're going to need the scoring up front for that to happen. One thing, though, that we also have to keep in mind, if the defense moves the puck a lot better than anticipated, as it should with Nate Schmidt, as it should having Travis Hamannick, you know, rounding out the top six as well, you could generate more offense and more zone time, which could lead to more offense overall. Maybe not as many goals as you had on pace last season, but you can still be above average school scoring wise and be better defensively. That's going to be the big thing that I'm looking at. You're absolutely right. Up front, not as much depth as last season. It all hinges on a few unknowns. We'll, we'll see how they kind of unfold here, especially Hoglander. But the defense is going to drive a lot more offense. So I'm not as concerned about them scoring goals, at least in the regular season, to make the playoffs. Are you concerned about what they did in goal? Or do you think they're better? Because honestly, I, I mean, Markstrom was great. But from a depth perspective, from I think where they're going, I think blue line back they're better than they were when they dropped the puck last year. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the blue line is definitely better for sure. I mean, there's, there's no way to dispute that when I mean, you add Nate Schmidt to the group. I mean, he is definitely better than, than Chris Tanev and you add Hamannick in and that's comparable to what they had with Stetcher. So here we go. Like you have, you know, a better defense plus Quinn Hughes should give you some sort of improvement in the second season. Right. And you love it. It's, it's like we went from having no faith in Yulevi playing in the NHL to be like, hey, maybe he is a reliable third pair defenseman. There's a lot there to his game to like, and he's had a year to really rest his body and and get into shape. Well, I wouldn't say getting in shape was the issue, but becoming more pliable and his body, you know, getting strong again and recovering from all, all the injuries he's had. The the goaltending, I've said this a few times, so I'll repeat it myself again. Jacob Markstrom was so good last season. Jacob Markstrom may never be as good as he was last season. Yeah. Like that's the type of year Jacob Markstrom had. So it's it's a bit of a marker that's really difficult to try to exceed no matter who's in net. So obviously, as far as a starting goalie goes, unlikely Holpe or Demko is going to be as good as Markstrom was. But on the whole, considering that Demko last season, guys, until the end when we saw him get better in the regular season and we saw him in the playoffs stand on his head against the Vegas Golden Knights, he struggled as a backup. Yeah, His save right. percentage during the regular season was 9.05. And it got better towards the end because he had a few good starts. Like, we had conversations about, is Demko even an NHL goalie at one point last season? Logic would dictate if he has improved and gotten better and has confidence, he should be better sharing the load with uh, Braden Holpe this season. And I have and, a lot and, of faith in Holpe. Yeah, and, and I, I would right. just say to that point, like when he kind of became that number one by default when Markstrom went down, you know, Demko struggled, right? Mm -hmm. No, he, he totally did, especially early on. We all remember what happened in Toronto, right? Like we remember how he melted down in that yeah. game in Toronto where the Canucks played well, but he couldn't make a save to save his life. They have to go with Louis Domingue um, against Columbus Blue Jackets, I believe it was, because they had no faith in Demko. He was so shook after that game, right? I mean, he struggled at times. I'm expecting him to bounce back and be a lot better as the backup or at least competing for the job. So, and Holpe working with Clark, I have faith that he's going to get, you know, Holpe to the best of his potential at this point, which may not be the Vesna guy from a few years ago. But I do think the goaltending can at least approximate what it was last year as a whole, especially if your defense is better. So I don't look at the goaltending as a huge concern. I'm kind of with James in terms of, okay, 
what's the forward group going to look like. But overall, I'm not too down on the Canucks' chances. I believe uh, your partner in crime has finished uh, his calf raises, so he's finished <laughs> out his leg day. Walks, are you with us this morning? And then calf raises for like four months. The, the Christmas got me. Christmas got me. <laughs> Well, there you go. You know what? You you, you got to make sure you don't have that light bulb built. Watch, thanks for joining us this morning. Answer me this, because we've debated it, as I'm sure you guys have had. And I go back to Chris Higgins, who we had on this show probably about six weeks ago. And he, he used the word, which I found interesting, fraud. He goes, you know, our, our team has to prove what happened in the bubble wasn't a fraud. Have we put too much, and not just a Canuck fan base, but you know, even a Montreal fan base, although they've really changed that hockey team. Have we put too much into what we saw in that unique circumstance in August and, and the end of July than what we saw for the 60-plus games that was regular season hockey where we just go, that's the team. No, it wasn't the team that just got into that situation. That's the team that we're building off. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. Uh, we have been debating that. I've been debating that because you don't you know you, you wonder, boy, do we overrate this club or, or are they underrated? Like you look at you know everyone making their predictions, and almost nobody outside of Vancouver has this club making the playoffs. I I don't want to say we bought in too much to the playoffs because I, I think that some of what you saw was like a really good, important step, like for Pedersen and Hughes and Demko and Horvat. Like, that's real, right? And, and that's your core. Now, the, the way this club is constituted right now, do I think that technically they're a goal away from the conference final? No, I, I think that was, I think it was a bit Cinderella. And I think the Canucks were in a position to handle that circumstance, the playoff circumstance, better than almost anybody. And we saw teams that, Honestly, man, it's psychological. We saw a lot of teams, Blues included, that just kind of didn't want to be there or didn't want to be there as much as the Canucks did. And so I think it enabled them to, to go on that run, which was great. Now now we're back to reality. I don't think they've taken a big step back, but I, I think they're nip and tuck to make the playoffs. Like last year they were within a goal of the conference final, but they might if the playoffs were normal, they might have not made it. Like they would have been in or out by a point. So... You know, I, I, I look at that. I, I think that it's still a team on the rise. I don't think they've arrived or anything. So how do you guys, uh, you know, Sad, I'll start with you. How do you guys see yeah. the North Division playing out here? How, who, 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 who's in, who's out in the way you kind of see these seven Canadian teams? When, when the dust settles on the regular season, who's in, who's out in the division? So I, th- I have Toronto finishing first. Uh, I do think, I think Vancouver makes the playoffs. I mean, compared to... The teams in uh, the North Division, I, I like their chances overall with the high-end talent they have. I, I like the defense. I think the Canucks have the best blue line on paper in this division. Goaltending tandem is fine. I, I'm banking on the Canucks finishing the top three in this division. I have the Canucks finishing top three, second or third. I like Edmonton too. I go with the teams that have the star power. I know Big talked about this on Central yesterday as well. I would I would hang my hat in a short season on the teams that have the most high-end talent. Canucks fall into that group. The fourth team is where I get a bit, um, you know, I'm not sure if it's Calgary that gets in. Does Montreal grind its way in? I'm, I'm still not sure on that. But I think the Canucks make the playoffs in this division as long as their top guys stay healthy. Walks? I, I got I got Toronto in without a sweat. I have Edmonton in without a sweat. Um, Winnipeg's tough for me because 
I know some people are down in Winnipeg, but they've beaten the Canucks like every game for ten years. Like it, those, those it's a bad matchup. You're right. You're right. I know. We wonder. We wonder why Winnipeg doesn't win Stanley Cups the way they play the Canucks. So I do have Winnipeg in, and then to me, it's <clears throat> it's fitting. It's 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 uh, sorry, Calgary or Vancouver to see who gets in, and. Like not not to be the guy like gun to my head today. I'm saying the Canucks finish fifth by a hair because I I still believe that Markstrom is kind of a bit of an answer in in Calgary. But I think it's going to come down to the the Flames and Canucks in their eight or nine game series. Like I think the the winner of that head to head series is going to get in. And I and I and I like the improvements Montreal made. But let's not forget that they were nowhere near the near the playoffs last year. So I think there's the road's too far for them, and and uh, and Ottawa's in the basement. Boy, it walks. I hate to say we think alike, but in the six o'clock hour, I said I I know where Montreal was, but Carey Price in the regular season struggled. I think they were a little bit like Vancouver, but with not the high end talent. You make all those changes. It's amazing the predictions and how many people have jumped on the Montreal Canadiens bandwagon. I, I love the fact that Brendan Gallagher got his deal. He deserves it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. You know, Tyler Toffoli wasn't a great player until he showed up in a Canucks uniform. You know, there's a lot of hope that, that a lot of risk that I think the Montreal Canadiens have played on. Yeah. And I and I like Suzuki, too. I mean, he had a great he had a great playoffs. I just think I think they're 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 a year. They're a year away. And there's no easy nights. I mean, like Ottawa's going to feel like you're going to feel easy because every night you're going into Calgary or Edmonton or Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal, and you're cannibalizing each other. I see. I, I have it. I have the Habs taking the division, and I've got Montreal. Oh, and I just like the way that they. I, I love the way they're structured. You know, price is still price. I think that you've got where they sit with respect to you know Jake Allen giving them a break. That blue line is massive. It's mobile. It's mean. You know, Weber's 6'4", Edmondson's 6'4", uh, you know, Petrie 6'3". They've just got a ton of horses on that back end. And then up front, you know, I don't think they have that alpha dog score, but the one thing I do like with what Montreal's done, they've got a bunch of guys that have that capability in a traditional 82-game season that have that capability to score 20. And they've got eight or nine good guys who can do that, whether it's Gallagher, whether it's Toffoli, whether it's Tatar, it's Drouin. They've got a lot of guys. I think it's more of a committee sort of approach here for this team. And look at all the character guys they brought in. Like, if you're going to sit there and look at a team that, hey, chemistry might be an issue, you brought in winners. You know, Jake Al may have been on the bench for a Stanley Cup win, but he went through that, right? Edmondson won a cup in St. Louis. You know, you brought Corey Perry, who's on the taxi squad, who's won a Stanley Cup. Toffoli's won a Stanley Cup. I think that matters. I think the Habs will win this division. I've got the Leafs and Oilers in there, and I got Walker. I'm with you. I got the Jets in there, and I've got the Canucks on the on the outside looking in at this point in time. I don't think it's a slight on these teams missing out because I just think it's that tight. I mean, it's a bit of a sucker's bet trying to predict this division this year. Ah, yeah, man, you've see, done it. You've done a terrible job. Worried, done a terrible job convincing me. <laughs> on what part that the Canucks will miss? <laughs> no, the Montreal part. Oh, the Montreal, man. I'll, yeah, I'll, you I, know what? Yeah, I'll take you, I, I'll take Montreal's chances. Yeah. I mean, you talked for four minutes, but you didn't say anything. Well, welcome to the show. (laughs) Here's the thing. Sorry, I got two kids yelling at me me right here. Sorry, guys. And it's not Walker (laughs) and Sat. (laughs) Uh, Sat, we will 
we will love every game that we see on Sportsnet because, you know, you've got your Canucks and then you're going to see that childhood dream matchup because I just don't think there's a lot of people that walk around in St. Louis Blues jerseys and Avs jerseys as much. Uh, so, you know, we're going to pay attention, obviously, in our job, but I think the casual fan may not. Uh, is there any question that the Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the NHL? Uh, well, I mean, especially with Kucherov out, uh, in the regular season and, you know, uh, some of the moves that Tampa Bay Lightning made on paper, the Avs are probably the most dangerous team in the league right now. Right. I mean, and it's not like they needed to do a lot considering how talented they were, how talented they were last year. Goaltending was a big, big bit of an issue. That's my only question with Colorado. Is their goaltending going to hold up? I mean, they didn't make a massive move in that regard. You know, is that going to be good enough? But yeah, on paper, it's hard to dispute that the Avalanche are the cream of the crop. I just question yeah, I think, just goaltending. Yeah, tough. Walk. Yeah, tough to disagree. And and the rich get richer too because we all knew this day was coming. But um, even just the reports now, it's like, wow, <laughs> Byram looks like really ready. And it's like, okay, there's there's another horse on the back end for 15 years. So uh, he's going to fit right <laughs> in. Yeah, they're going to be tough. I'm, you know, that that's the one silver lining is that the Canucks get to avoid them for a year. Yeah, that's the hall pass, right? Um, I, yeah. I look, there's 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 so much to like on that roster. They they check all the boxes, and it's just the one question mark I sat alluded to between the pipes. Um, but hey, listen, guys, I, I appreciate this. I feel like we could go all morning with this. It's an exciting time. Everybody's kind of got that optimism right now. Um, you guys are up at Adam. What uh, pregame show starts at five? You guys are up at Adam uh, at four o'clock with the program. Correct. Yeah, just just Monday to Friday. Yeah. Are you well? You're phoning it in today, Walker. Sat's doing all the heavy lifting with the pregame show at five. Or are you True. taking part I, of that I'm too? Te- I'm technologically uh, uh, delayed. We'll say. Yeah, we figured Welcome that out with this life. segment. Yeah. yeah. That's not a headline. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boys. See you, boys. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. Appreciate that. Day. All right, there they are: Satyar Shah, Andrew Walker. The stars of the program, weekday afternoons, 4 to 7 here on Sportsnet 650, also bringing the heat with the Canucks uh, pregame show beginning at 5 o'clock later on this evening here on Sportsnet 650, and then Batch and Hershey with the puck drop at 7 o'clock. 25 minutes after 8 o'clock, he's Perry Silkowski. I'm James Sabolski. We'll look ahead to some of our predictions, who we've got hoisting the Stanley Cup, and more on this discussion. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Give us a thought on how you see things playing out in the North Division. Are the Canucks in? or are they out from a playoff standpoint? Who do you got winning the All-Canadian Division? That all ahead right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I was a little bit, uh, feel feel nervous. Uh, you know, when I jump in with the first unit there, there's uh, really good players, and I just, just do my best. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, time to hop aboard the Hoag train. Niels Hoaglander ready to make his uh, NHL debut tonight for the Canucks. And a lot of anticipation as to what he can do this season. I just question, is it realistic, some of the expectations uh, on the 20-year-old uh, to step into that top six role and produce offensively here, Pear? Well, you know, we talked when training camp got together. Like, good on the Vancouver Canucks to say, hey, if you're going to make this team, you're not going to be earning a spot on the fourth line and going up. They knew what they had. Jim Benning talking with Satin Walks yesterday on the program said, hey, the Niels Hoaglander, hey, probably better than expected, but it was certainly an organizational decision when Tyler Toffoli was not re-signed to say, 
we're going to put this kid in that spot and just see what he can do. Now, I said earlier, James, we wonder where all the goals are going to come from, where the secondary scoring comes from. We know everyone will get better. That is the hope with a young team. I do think, and said earlier, I do think Bo Horvat, by how he played in that bubble, found another level to his hockey game. And I think with a guy like Holglander, if he can fit with the offensive awareness he has, is unlike anything Bo had. And we know that PD's considered the number one line, at least Travis Green comfortable playing him against other number ones. I do think Bo Horvat's going to have a big year. And if Holglander is the real deal, it gets even bigger for Bo. This hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Go check out Nasir. Go see Gilbert. Go see John and Alan. You can check them out. They'll take good care of you located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. It's tonight going up against the Oilers. I mean, look, I think as everybody tries to find their groove in the systems, like there hasn't even been an exhibition game for these teams, right? I know. Um, you know, with the Oilers, like, look, you know, when I, I look at the teams, and, you know, I, I think like Walker was kind of saying a few minutes ago, you know, you look at the Oilers, and, and we've kind of laughed and kind of kicked them around over the last several years because they've had their failings when it comes to trying to make the playoffs and not. But, you know, the one thing that we do know this regular season, Connor McDavid's going to get his points, right? And he's mm-hmm. also not coming off a significant injury this year, right? This 56 game, like, would it, like, you know, if there's one guy in the league that could flirt with 100 points this season in a 56 game season, it's Connor McDavid. And he's on display tonight. And he goes right back at it again. Like, that is a nuclear weapon they're going to have to deal with. Like, talk about an adjustment for a new Canucks blue line for an undermanned Canucks team already to start the year to go up against Connor McDavid to open up the season back-to-back nights pair. It's uh, Ken Priestley said, there's nothing more exciting than opening night for a hockey player other than winning the Stanley Cup. And I would argue it's the same thing. You could throw an opening playoff night for fans, but opening night is so great. And it's just a matter of, if things don't go well, James, it's not like this fan base is, is dropping off like from – taking from one step to another and you're going downstairs. No, we're falling off the cliff. My God, Friday morning, if the Vancouver Canucks have lost two in a row to the Edmonton Oilers, maybe we don't sign Travis Green to extend him. What were they thinking? Holglander could be it. Like, if it goes wrong, it'll go wrong like we're on a full-on, you know, in the city of Mexico and Acapulco jumping off a cliff because that's the passion that fans have. But the players don't feel that way. But it, it will be different when you go, all right, you're starting back-to-back. Back. Well, what if you lose both of them? Like, you're always thinking of a split. It, it's going to be a, a tough challenge for this team, but I think we are so close to it, we realize that, man, how good is Pedersen? How good is Quinn Hughes? And you know and are just confident that those two young superstars in which this team is built around will be better hockey players. And we know Schmidt, Nate Schmidt's better. We know the blue line's better. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays up because all you've seen is inter-squad games. All they've played is inter-squad games. It's different tonight. Um, you know, so so we look at how it plays out. We, we talked about who we like in the North Division, how the Canadian Division will play out. Who do you got for the Cup? I have the Colorado Avalanche. 
Uh, I just think they are. You picked them last year, am I right? Didn't think. Yeah, that? no, I was all I was all in on it. I I went I went for the all Halifax uh, final with uh, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins against uh, Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche. And, um, yeah, I felt like I was maybe a year ahead of time, perhaps with with the Avalanche. But man, I I, I totally understand where you're coming from. There's a lot to like there. Well, I, you 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 add Devin Taves to it. Uh, you know, Bowen Byram is just so good. And you just go, so where where are they poor? And they did that with so many injuries last year. Um, that's where I just think they won't be beaten. And and I do think you have to lose before you win. And they went in there with such expectations in the bubble and felt like uh, it just didn't work for them. And it should have. They dominated hockey games, and the next thing you know, they can't get through. So I, I think they have made the mistakes, and if anyone saw or heard Joe Sackick, it, it, it wasn't, you know, Joe is never going to be elaborate when it comes to press conferences, let alone the new structure that we have where you're just kind of looking at a camera and, and you don't see the person asking the question. He said, that we're here to win the Stanley Cup. And matter-of-factly, and you're going, yeah, you probably are, and I just think they probably will. Isn't it crazy that what three you know I feel like less than three years ago we were kind of laughing at Joe Sackick like what the hell's he done right and and the whole you trade got Matt Duchesne there going <laughs> you can't just give an NHL superstar the keys to a franchise how does he know how to run it didn't work with Patrick Watt it's not going to work with Joe Sackick yeah <laughs> it's you know who's who's laughing now now at some point you got to win. And I and I'll say this. I think that there was a thought that maybe they'd go out and try to address from a goaltending standpoint, but you know, the Avs are going to roll with it. They've got Francis and and Philip Grubauer. Grubauer is an interesting one, right? Because remember, it wasn't that long ago that the year that the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, where yeah, Braden Holtby backstopped them, Grubauer was the starter when the playoffs began. He was the better goalie going into the playoffs. Yeah. It's uh, Colorado and Edmonton are similar, not in that Edmonton's as deep as Colorado, but I think the teams are good enough to outscore and play better than the goaltender. I've got, I got Vegas and Philadelphia in my Stanley cup final, and I got Vegas winning out this year. I, 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 you know, there's, there's so much to like with the avalanche and I would not be surprised at all, but I'll tell you what, as much as uh, as much as I all and everybody else likes the balance of what the Avalanche offer, I see that in Philadelphia this year, where you know it was so much for so long, Giroux and Voracek, and now you look at the balance of that roster. There's so much to like with that Philly team. A young Carter Hart, you know, and and hey, it was Carter Hart who was better than Carey Price in that series last year against the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, he, he showed that he can go head-to-head with a great goaltender and, and live to tell about it. Um, and I just I look at that Vegas team. You know, Perry, it's kind of funny how, how Vegas has kind of had some, some very funky experiences in their very short window of existence in the National Hockey League, but I think there's still a ton of scoring up front for Vegas. I still think that they've got a great back end and, and upgrade, like as much as we all love Nate Schmidt coming here, you know, Vegas goes out and brings in the captain of the St. Louis Blues. They bring in Alex Petrangelo, and that's as good a one-two punch that you've got with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard in goal. I mean, they check all the boxes, and they're playing Colorado nine times over the course of the season. 
I'm going to take goaltending as the difference in this one. I'm going to say Vegas and Philly in the Cup final with the Golden Knights finally getting that Stanley Cup win. Yeah, you know, we talk about what it's going to be like in the north here, but when when you look at what's going on um, there in, in Colorado and Vegas and St. Louis in a battle like they are, um, boy, there are going to be some real wars. Hey, I, that Vegas hockey team is really good. We saw it. Let's be honest. They were all over the Vancouver Canucks, if not for Thatcher Demko. They'll miss Nate Schmidt, but uh, like you said, they had Petrangelo there. They, they've done some really good things. And, you know, I mentioned losing. Before you win, they have certainly done that for the past couple of years. I do think, James, we're going to see some change. And I like that Philadelphia team out east. I think the change comes that at some point, and certainly in our city, we know it. You know, the time has come for the Boston Bruins to not always be in the equation. And I don't think the Boston Bruins will be in that equation. I think the New York Islanders are going to be that much better. I think Sid continues to keep the Penguins there. But I do think if we see teams fall, I think the Boston Bruins are one of those yeah, no, they'll always be their teams that may not be there this year. I think that window seems like it might be closing now. There, you know, some people look at you know Charlie McAvoy having another big year and maybe taking that to the next step. But um, no, I mean, they, there's been some significant losses. I mean, whether it's Krejci, whether you look at you know losing Zdeno Chara, who was you know the captain of the ship for so long, and I get Big Z's a little bit, you know, was past his prime, but still an effective player out there. Um, I'm with you on that. When I look at Boston, look, that's a tough division. Like, that East is really, really tough. I mean, you can still make a case for Pittsburgh. You can make a case for the Islanders. I like Philly. You know, Boston's still going to be a really good team. I mean, you know, hey, look, if everybody's healthy with Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, you know, when that line's healthy, <laughs> the perfection line is as good as it gets yeah. in the National Hockey League, right? Like, that's – you can't dismiss that. Like, there's still a lot of talent. And that's the that's the fun thing about this season. Like, there are a lot of teams you can make a case for. Look no further than than this all-Canadian division here, Pear. Of the seven teams, I, we're all of the opinion Ottawa's going to kick some – you know, they're going to break some hearts this year. They're going to be a buzzkill. They're going to be pluckier than people realize because everybody's got them pegged for last. But they're going to be a tougher out. They're going to be a tougher matchup than people realize. And, you know, the Canucks are right there. You know, would it shock me if the Canucks came away with the division this year? No. Would it shock me if they missed the playoffs? No. And that's where we, you know, we put our predictions out there. And I'm sure I'll probably get my A-double crooked letter kicked on this one at the end of the season if the Canucks are ultimately in or whatever, but Montreal, you can make a case for, as I have. You got the Oilers. You know, we heard Sat Sat and Walks, they both have the Leafs. You know, obviously with the Oilers, the Flames, the Jets. I mean, like how many people have the Jets on the outside? And look at that firepower, right? It's just such a unique year with all the talent on on so many teams. And and we, we barely even scratched the surface south of the border. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Lightning. Well, that's it. It's almost like they're not getting a whole bunch of respect, the Lightning, because of what they have. But they they want it because of depth. They had to make some changes because of money. But, yeah, the Tampa Bay going, what, you, you forgot about me? It, it, every team, and we're going through it right now with J.T. Miller, I, I, I bet that every team at some point will be losing someone on their top six, be it an injury, maybe it's COVID-related. I don't think there's going to be a lot of superstars that are – they're going through 56 games because we might even see the odd one get a day off, right? You might even look at load management too. The fascinating thing of this whole schedule is when you see it go, when you got back to back, if you're not good tonight, you better be better tomorrow. 
You can't lose. They're almost like little mini playoff series, as Travis Green said. And so if you're going into a best of seven and you lose that first one, you better win that second one and even it up before you go home. Well, if you lose that first one and, and you're there for two, you, you better figure out that second one because the next thing you know, you got a fresh team again in Calgary on Saturday. They're ready to go. That's going to be fun. There's just – with 56 games, you better be on from the get-go, and I think that's impossible, James, because of the fact that these guys haven't played any preseason. So I will defer to the kids coming flying out of the gate rather than teams that have more veteran experience. All right, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock. We'll try to get you paid tonight on opening night of the National Hockey League and more cancellations on the sports calendar. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day! Sportsnet 650. Any way you want it, it's the way you need it. More of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Scott Ritual Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Tim McCallick, uh, Tim McCallick, Jeff Merrick, and uh, also here from uh, Travis Green on Scotty's show uh, live from Edmonton. That's all coming up uh, beginning at 9 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. Perry, it is opening night in the National Hockey League. Meantime, uh, the NBA for the third straight day, uh, canceling games. Um, after back on the 10th, it was Boston-Miami that got postponed, and then it was the Pelicans and the Mavericks that got shut down. Um, that was uh, two nights ago. Then last night, Celtics and Bulls, and now today, three games postponed with Utah-Washington, Orlando-Boston, Atlanta, and Phoenix. So as much of uh, as much as it was a buzzkill to see J.T. Miller plugged from the lineup uh, last night, um, you know what, this is going to be a sign of the times if the NBA is any indication, and along with the NFL as well. Well, um, here's what I was shocked at with the NBA, because we probably spent the most part of yesterday afternoon just trying to find out exactly what the protocols will be. Jim Benning on with uh, with Walk and, and Sats on the program talking about, you know, as an organization, that the NHL and the Vancouver Canucks, they've done everything they can as an organization. And Jim had said, hey, the responsibility is going to be on the players. From another perspective, Major League Soccer is right now trying to get a new CBA. And one of the things that their commissioner said, hey, far as COVID, it's going to be the responsibility of the players. You see things spiraling right now with the NBA. James, only yesterday that they add some new, more restricted rules in place for their COVID things. And here's where I was shocked. Up until yesterday in the NBA, players were allowed to have up to yeah. two guests in their hotel rooms. And they could be family members or they could be a longstanding personal friend. So really, how much was your bubble? Like, I just assume they went on the road to play, practice, play the game, meal at the hotel. Maybe they go out and have a meal at a restaurant and then keep on going just so they can stay around. But that's not the case, man. They were allowed to have guests in their hotel room. So am I shocked that the NBA is now on a spiral? No, not at all. I think they needed to be, have stricter rules in place. Yeah, that was that was an odd one, but especially when you look at the comparison of what the NHL's protocols are, uh, no visitors, uh, especially when you're on the road uh, with respect to hotels. So um, that's a little different one. But nevertheless, um, the NBA kind of feeling the brunt of COVID-19 right now. And yes, there's a vaccine on the way and, and it's happening and people are getting vaccinated. But 
not quick enough uh, for a lot of people in where the leagues are being impacted. And it's happening here on this side of the border with obviously the Canucks losing JT Miller and Jordy Ben here for in all likelihood the next week. And we'll get some more information from the organization later on today. Uh, opening night in the National Hockey League. You got five games on the slate tonight. Um, if you're putting some money down anywhere, where are you going? Here's my suggestion to the listeners. I had a really nice run during the NFL. Now it's NHL season. It'll be difficult. I'm going to take the Stanley Cup champs. I'm going to give up a goal and a half today. That's what I'm doing to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. No Jonathan Taze. Lost their goaltender and Corey Crawford. Didn't replace it. No Kirby Doc. I'll give the Stanley Cup champs despite losing. They'll be okay. They'll give up a goal and a half. It'll pay two to one, James. That's my play on my side. How about you? I'm going with uh, I'm going with a, a little parlay here tonight. I've got uh, the I'm going to take the Abs on the money line to beat the Blues, and I'm also going the over of five and a half pucks. I think we're going to see some goals tonight, and I think we're going to see an Avalanche win. That's where I'm leaning tonight uh, in the National Hockey League. Cam and Nanaimo texting in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair at six fifty six fifty says Pedersen going for four points tonight. Game day. What do you think, Canucks and Oilers tonight? I, I'm going to take the home team in this one this evening. I will, too. I will, too. What I do know is it has been 44 weeks, 44 weeks since there has been a regular season hockey game played, and it's back tonight. Oh, Canada. Love it. I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, and we'll be breaking it all down. Consider it like a post game in the morning, and we'll be doing that. Brian Burke will join us. Ian McIntyre will join us as well. It's all happening. The Scott Rintoul Show is next. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel on Thursday morning right here Ooh. on your home of the Canucks. Game day, people. Let's do this. Happy it's Sportsnet 650.